2: No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Good evening and welcome to On the Fable. I'm Dorothy and I'm here with a wonderful group of Christian women to discuss the issues of the day. Much like we did in the old days around the kitchen table when the kids were in school. The call in number is 646 595 4784 if you want to call in with a question or a prayer request. Press 1 to raise your hand in the queue. Our contact email is on the table BC at hotmail.com. Now, we may not all agree all of the time, but isn't that half fun? Different perspectives coming from different experiences and learning from each other? Pull up a chair and join us on this most excellent adventure in the reality of Christianity. Let's, let's see what's on the table tonight. good evening, everyone. I hope you can hear me okay. I'm hearing a lot of static. Uh, Pam is here, and the other girls will straggle in eventually. Hello, Pam.
3: Good evening.
1: And our guest is here already, Scott LaPierre.
2: Hi, Scott. Welcome to to the program. Thank you very much. Glad to be here.
1: Okay, can we're going to discuss okay? his book. I can hear you. I, I'm just getting a lot of static, but I know we're having weather. How are you guys doing on audio? Are you getting static or you're clear?
4: I'm I hear clear. you pretty well.
1: Thank you. Okay. okay. Okay, Scott, we're here primarily to discuss your your latest book. But First, I'd, I'd like you to introduce yourself to everybody, to our listeners, and tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, okay, what the great. goal of the book is.
2: Okay, so my name is Scott LaPierre. I'm a senior pastor in Southwest Washington. We've been here for about eight years. My wife and I have seven children. We homeschool. Our seventh was born uh, about four months ago, and. I uh, after college I was a, an officer in the military and then a school teacher and when I served as a or when I was a school teacher I became a Christian and my passion for um, ministry really increased and my and then I, God opened a door for me to start working at a church part time the church grew and they hired me full time and I did that until moving up here to Washington in 2010 and I really. Uh, have always had a passion for types and shadows in the Old Testament, basically the way that Jesus is revealed through the pages of Scripture. I think many people sort of think of Jesus almost beginning or originating when he was born in Bethlehem. But, uh, you know, John 1 -1 says that he has been with God and he is God, and so he is uh, eternally existing in the past. And so we see him showing up in the Old Testament in different ways, uh, and he's foreshadowed through the types and shadows. And so the, my book, A Father Offers His Son, examines one of the strongest or clearest pictures or types of Christ in the Old Testament, which is when Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son, Isaac, and the different parallels between Genesis 22 and God the Father sacrificing his son 2,000 years later.
1: Well, I know over the years, I I I don't always make the connections easily. So I've always appreciated when a teacher does make the the connections and the and the types and foreshadows, you know.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, your book book does a very thorough job of that. Um, is there anything in particular you would like to bring forth to the to the listeners?
2: Well, From I would say that Sure, I would say I hope even just uh, beyond the book A little bit, I would say that The Old Testament is, is 76% of the Bible And it saddens me that Sometimes it's neglected Both by mm-hmm. Christians uh, In our Christian lives, when we're reading the Word We tend to read the New Testament The Old Testament can be neglected by Pastors and Bible teachers Who, who just want to stick perhaps with the Gospels And it's definitely not a not our criticism of the Gospels or the New Testament whatsoever. I mean, I love I love the New Testament too, but but I think we want to do justice to the Old Testament. And one of the reasons I suspect people stay away from it is they don't see they don't see Christ, which is sad because he he has revealed um, you know beautifully so many ways. And I I think if you don't see Christ at, at times, especially when Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac, it looks like such a bizarre, bizarre is probably an understatement. It it almost looks like an evil chapter, to be honest. I mean, we have God telling Abraham to sacrifice the son that he's waited all these years for, that he loves dearly, and you look at that request and it, it seems horrific. We wonder how a God could ask a man to do something like that. But it really only makes sense if you can look at it through that lens that well first God was testing Abraham We know that because the first verse says that That God was testing him We know that God never intended for Abraham To actually sacrifice Isaac And we know that because the angel Stopped him, it was always only a test But it wasn't just a test for Abraham It was also a very dramatic way For God to Reveal uh, what he was Going to do 2,000 years later So what 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 God did not intend for Abraham To do, he did intend to do And if you don't See that if you don't see God revealing His Son through the account, then it just looks like a very troubling, uh, almost and disturbing passage in the Old Testament. But if you can recognize it through God wanting to reveal His Son in human terms, or reveal in human terms what He was going to do with Jesus, then you can really appreciate the tremendous beauty that's that's shown through that passage. And when people teach on that account, they often highlight Abraham's faith and and Isaac's courage and willing to be sacrificed. But I don't think that's really doing justice to the passage because, yes, Abraham was a great man, but I think it's only secondarily about them. Primarily it's about what God wanted to do with his son and helping us being able to see that through all these parallels. And that's what really surprised me. And I don't know if I'm talking too much or if I should <laughs> um, you know, turn no, it over to. No, that's good. That's,
1: that's okay. good. Um, I was going to say, in, because I understand that a lot of people don't like the Old Testament. They think it's harsh. They think there's a different God in the Old Testament and the New mm-hmm. Testament, which is silly. But didn't mm-hmm. Paul in the New Testament say he found Christ? by? I mean, he was a scholar of the Old Testament because there was no New Testament yet. And did he not right. find Christ in the, in the Old Testament? You know, that's where he found him went once. He got back on
2: his horse, you know. Right, because I think it's not given a lot of attention, so we tend to miss this because Paul's conversion in, in, in Acts on the road to Damascus is so dramatic. We forget that in early in Acts, Paul discusses that time that God took him out to the wilderness for, for those few years. And what's interesting is, you know, Paul was so learned and skilled, as you said, I mean, a, you know, Pharisee of the Pharisees and all of his zealousness and his, an expert in the law, but God had to take him out there for that period of, of learning. And I tend to think what, what he could have learned or what he must have had to learn, he didn't have to learn the Old Testament better. He already knew it so well, but what he had to learn was how uh, Christ was the fulfillment of it. And I suspect, you know, as, as he thought about Jesus being crucified and then putting the pieces together, connecting the dots, I'm sure that the the Genesis 22, Abraham sacrificing Isaac, would be one of those very um, dramatic accounts that would have stuck with him. Also, with the, the manna, you know, Jesus being the true true bread from heaven that gives people not not just physical life but eternal life. The, the you know true and greater rock in the wilderness that provided them with water, Jesus provides the living water that offers eternal life. And so, yeah, I, I highly suspect that it was. But that's what's interesting is, <laughs> in this whole discussion is when Paul did not see Jesus through the Old Testament, no matter how well he knew it, no matter how well he knew the Old Testament scriptures, he wasn't a Christian. He wasn't saved. I mean, he could have went to hell yeah. as a man who knew the Old Testament inside and out, but because he didn't see Jesus through it, then it really profited of nothing. And that's the same thing that Jesus said to the religious leaders. He said, you 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 memorize the law and the prophets, you memorize the writings of Moses, because you think that in them you have eternal life, that they are they, the, these are they which testify of me. And so the point is, if the religious leaders were to memorize all of the Old Testament but not see Jesus in it, then it really profits them nothing. They're just individuals who end up going to hell, but with a whole bunch of, of knowledge of the Hebrew Scriptures, which just didn't benefit them. So we don't want to make that same mistake. We want to make sure that we see Christ through the, through, the, um, through the page of the scripture too. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, Could you have yeah. something to, to say, Pam?
3: I was just thinking the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's really given that name, Old Testament and New Testament, for our benefit to separate the two periods where the Old Testament is before Christ and the New Testament is when Christ was born. So it's, it was a, like a new beginning, um, a new genesis if you like. Um, I mean, what, I, I think the book has come out at, at precisely the right time for the simple reason that uh, there's so much deception um, going on, especially in churches, that true seekers will get a lot from this book. Um, and it's you know you you do hear from some teachers bits and bats from it, but you don't you don't get any real depth anymore you don't get any meat, you just get the odd crumb um, and uh when 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 you were talking uh, about um, um Paul being in the wilderness, it reminded me of when when God pulled me to one side. And what what he did at that particular point in time was uh, he knocked every, every prop from under me of what I always understood and what I always leaned on and what I always believed. He knocked all them out. And I was left wondering what on earth to believe. And then he started be teaching And once he started be teaching and it, and it really sunk in, the truth that he showed me, he, he said he was moving me from sand... To the rock, so um, it 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 made my faith more solid than what it were before, mm. and I think that's what, what he did to Paul. What he did to Paul, he did uh, he knocked everything that he relied upon out from under him and rebuilt him, so that once once he was free to go into ministry, he was solid. His faith was solid because God had put him on they put him on that rock. And Jesus is our rock. Um, I haven't read all through the, the book yet. Uh, I got halfway through it because I've, I've been busy and uh, I've been ill off and on. But tonight I, I was thinking about the name Isaac, the different you know, the, the, the similarities between Jesus and Isaac. Isaac the name means laughter, and it also says that the joy of the Lord is our strength, and I thought that were a, a good connection as well. And I noticed as as well, when the angels stopped the sacrifice of Isaac, so did Christ when he died, when Jesus died on the cross, that stopped, stopped the sacrifices, because he died once for all. And that was another connection I found as well.
2: Hmm, okay. When you, when you... Can I, I just, just say, say when you, our,
1: our oh, valley that. is here, so... Welcome Sally. I'm glad you made it. Hi, Hi thank you. I'm glad I made Hi. you as
0: well.
1: Hi everyone. Okay. Hi Sally. Okay. Sorry, Scott, go ahead, continue with your thought if we didn't derail it.
2: Sure, no problem. <laughs> I was just gonna say that's a that's a good um recognition of a, or association there of Isaac with laughter or joy. Because there's that, same, there's that same association. Obviously, the, the account, you know, Isaac is the picture of the type of Christ. Uh, his mm-hmm. willingness, his silence. And and one other thing is, even when people do teach on Genesis 22, there's a tendency to focus on Abraham. And it's not to yeah. minimize Abraham's greatness or his faith, but Isaac becomes... Um, he, he, he doesn't receive really the credit he should receive in terms of his submission to his father, his silence when going yeah. to be slaughtered or to be executed. And all of that looks forward to Jesus' silence, this, yeah. um, you know, as a lamb led to the slaughter and, and his submission to his father the way that Isaac submitted to his father. And so when, so we see Jesus, or we see Isaac as this great picture of Christ, and the association with the name, Isaac had that distinction, of being named not by earthly parents but by God, just like Jesus was yep. named not by earthly parents but by God. But even the name Isaac and it being associated with joy looks forward to uh, Christ's association with joy, and we see that. Yeah. With, we see that with the joy of the new covenant. We see it with the religious leaders who come and criticize Jesus for being a man of joy versus a man um, who is going to, you know, he is going to be social, he's going to fellowship, he's, and they come and say you know, he's associated with this isn't a commentary necessarily on wine or alcohol, but he's associated with the the new wine or the wine of the new covenant that and wine mm-hmm. is an it has an association with joy. And so yeah. yeah, that's that's a perfect um analogy there. And that I mean that was what was interesting to me was I expected to preach on Genesis twenty two for one one sermon, I think on an Easter Sunday or something. And it's a little bit of a running joke at my church that whenever I say we're going to preach on something for so one, one or two Sundays, it ends up being like five or six. But as I was digging into, this, digging into the chapter, I just continued to see more wonderful um, parallels and, and relationships between, um, you know, Abraham and the Father and Isaac mm. and Jesus. And I, I probably wouldn't have thought back then that it would ever be enough material to produce a book, but, but it did.
3: Yeah, It also says that, that that Jesus, when when he laid down his life, he, uh, and accepted the Father as well, it was for the joy set before him. He says he, he did it willingly because of the joy set before him because he knew what the end outcome would be, what the purpose of it was.
2: Yeah, that's a fantastic point. That that is a fantastic point. Yep. Mm. And so one of the other challenges, which I'll just share as we talk about the book, because it's not, it's not in the book, it's just something that I'll share, which is one of the difficulties associated with um, typology is figuring out what is not a type. And, and what I mean by that is I, I didn't write about it in the book, but because the book examines what, is the type, what are the types between um, you know Abraham and the father and Isaac and the son, but there's other there's points when I was writing or studying and something could look like a type and you have to really ask yourself, is it, is this a stretch? Is this going too far? And just one thing, which, which, um, you know, I kind of wrestled with but decided not to put it in the book was when that ram was caught in the thicket. Um, and you kind of think of like, you know, having a, uh, his head with some number of thorns around it and whether that looked forward to the crown of thorns on Christ, Christ's head. And so, I didn't go with that because I thought that was a little bit of a stretch, but that is one of the difficulties whenever we're looking at types and shadows
4: mm. is
2: making sure that we don't, we don't take them too far or that we hold them sort of, sort of loosely. And so the idea that because that ram died in Isaac's place, I mean, the picture of substitution there is really established when Abraham went and took that ram and sacrificed it instead or in the place of his son Isaac. And so that ram looks forward to the lamb, or the lamb of God, Christ, that would be sacrificed, because obviously Abraham, or God told Abraham, um, and and Abraham told Isaac that there would be a lamb, and that was not a yeah. lamb, that was a ram. So it's not; it's still yeah. even back then. It's looking forward to the true and greater lamb that would come. But when that ram was caught in the thicket, it was still a very dramatic picture of substitutionary atonement, where the ram died in the place of Isaac, and sees so a. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, right, right before the ram died when its head was stuck there, do they have like a crown of thorns like Jesus? Since that's just one thing, there's probably mm-hmm. three or four things like that that I chose not to include because I thought it stretched too far. Mhm.
3: Mhm. I think, I think as well, it's into, isn't it a picture of how um, God doesn't want um, people being sacrificed, although at that. Particular time, and to be honest, there is a lot of it today, where people are sacrificed, that um, God doesn't desire that, because he'd already given of himself, through his Son, to be sacrificed on our behalf.
2: Right. Yeah, we see and we see in Scripture that human sacrifice, not only is human sacrifice forbidden, which again is why I think it's so important to interpret this chapter through the lens that recognizes Mm. that it was always looking forward to what Jesus was going to do and not think for a moment that God would ever want human sacrifice. But Mm. as far as I know, Jesus is the only death in all of scripture that is said to please God or please the father. And that's in Isaiah 53 where it says it pleased him, you know, pleased the father to bruise him or prophesying looking forward to, Christ's sacrifice, it pleased him to crush him or bruise him. And mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think even the death of the wicked in Ezekiel, it says God takes no pleasure in the death Absolutely. of the wicked. Well, that, would sh- that, that would shock us. We would think okay, well God is holy and just. He must take pleasure in the death of the wicked and their, their evil coming to an end when they take their last breath. But we're even told, you know, I think it's written at least two times that God says that he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. It's the no. only death that has pleased him was his son's death because of what it would accomplish, the uh, forgiveness of our sins. I had a conversation, interestingly, the other day with a Mormon, and I recognized that he was having some, some doubts or questions associated with his faith. And he's a really nice guy, and I, was, I knew he was Mormon, uh, and I didn't want to criticize his religion because I don't think that's you know, the best way to evangelize. Generally, that can no. kind of burn a, burn a bridge with someone. But he, mm-hmm. was, he was expressing some doubts associated with the Book of Mormon and the Pearl of Great Price. And so I said, well, have you ever thought of what about reading the Bible? I mean, you must read the Bible some. And he said, yeah. And then he said, well, I pretty much just read the New Testament. And that kind of stabbed me a little bit. And then he went on a little more and said, I, I stay away from the Old Testament because of all these different stories that are troubling to me. And it, so when he was saying this, this was probably like uh, three Three four weeks ago, or it was it was at least the week after the book had been published. And so generally, when I'm talking with people, I'm I'm doing the same thing that I think um, you ladies do, or most of us do. We're we're praying in our minds and saying, Lord, help me to know what to say, and help me to know what not to say, and just um, Mm. you know restrain me from saying anything I shouldn't say. And I was thinking, well, because he was saying that he doesn't doesn't like the Old Testament, and I thought, I wonder if you know he I should give him a copy of my book. And while I was praying that, he actually said, You know, like that account where, where Abraham was going to sacrifice his son. And I thought, <laughs> Oh, that wow, Yeah. <laughs> so that, <laughs> well, that's him. a pretty, yeah, that's uh, quite the open door there. You know, we look for open doors, and I, I can't say that oh, we yeah. always get, that, get them that are that clear, but that was definitely a clear one. And I said, Well, you might not believe this, but yeah. interestingly, I just published a book last week about, about that. And he says, are you serious? I guess he thought I was joking. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm completely serious. Just last week, you know, published it, and I'd be glad to give you a copy. But, and the whole reason, and so I did, I gave him a copy and wrote in it. But the main reason I'm, I'm sharing this is I started to explain to him things that I think we might take for granted. I said, well, you know, it wasn't really about Abraham sacrificing his son, and we know that since the angel stopped him, but what was it about then? And it was, a, it was about what Jesus would do or what the Father would do with his son. And I could, like, visually see this gentleman. And he's a dentist. He's a, he's a sharp, bright man. He has a very successful dental practice in the area. Actually, a lot of the families in our church go to his dental office. And I asked him if I could share about our conversation. He told me that I could, but I thought it best not to, not to mention his name. But anyway, my point is, I mean, he's a, he's a scholarly man and... He runs a, runs a great dental practice, and, but I could see, as I was sharing this with him, he, he visually changed the, the enthusiasm and interest in understanding what was really happening in that chapter and what wasn't happening, because previously he thought it's kind of this grotesque, disturbing situation. But then when he could look at it and see what God intended through it, I think it gave him a better, favorable view of, you know of Christ, of the gospel. Um, you know, what's really happening there, and so Mm -hmm. that's why I think it's, that's, you know, why I think it's so important, and even when the angel of the Lord stopped him, the angel of the Lord is, is, that's a Christophany or, or a theophany, when the angel of the Lord appeared, it was an Old Testament appearance of Christ, which, you know, and you recognize that, there's these, it'll say like in Exodus 3, for example, when Moses goes to the burning bush, first it says, that the angel of the Lord was in the bush, and then it says that God was in the bush, or God spoke to Abraham. So it's mm-hmm. very clear that the angel of the Lord, or that spoke to Moses. So it's, My point is, it's very clear that the angel of the Lord is God, And but then you have verses like in the New Testament that say nobody has seen God. So then you say, well, what's the deal here? I mean, how can it say nobody has seen God when Moses went up on Sinai, some elders went with him, there's the burning mm-hmm. bush, there's Well, what you have is nobody has seen the first person of the triune nature of God. Nobody has seen God the Father, but people saw God the Son uh, pre-incarnate when they saw or encountered the angel of the Lord. And then the angel of the Lord was, uh, the incarnation took place, and the angel of the Lord became a man, or he was born in Bethlehem in the person of Jesus Christ, and that's why you don't see any other Appearances of the Angel of the Lord when you reach the New Testament. You know it's kind of interesting if you consider how busy and active the Angel of the Lord was as a servant throughout the Old Testament, but then you reach the New Testament, and there's not one single instance of him showing up, unless mm-hmm. you understand that he, unless you understand that he's throughout the New Testament, but as the second person of the Godhead, um, mm-hmm. you know Jesus Christ. So, mm-hmm. so to, to The whole point, I mean, the the whole reason I mention that is when when the angel stopped Abraham from sacrificing Isaac. I mean, it's a tremendous moment in time. You've got the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ, the Angel of the Lord, standing feet away from Isaac, the person that is a type of him, you know, looking forward to what and so looking forward to what Jesus was going to do he stops Isaac, or he stops Abraham from sacrificing Isaac mm-hmm. 2,000 years before, he would not be stopped in being sacrificed. Mm. So just a you know, tremendous moment in history that encounter or that intersection that took place there on Mount Moriah.
4: Yeah. yeah.
3: I think the connection with Moriah as well and, and where Jesus was actually crucified is, is important for people to connect to. Um, and on some research, uh, apparently where where he was crucified, they found, the, 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 uh, I'm forgetting the name of the guy that found, said they found the Ark of the Covenant right below. And the the blood from the cross had bled through, gone down through the cracks in the rocks, and actually dripped onto the mercy seat. I forgot the name of the guy that, uh, that did it now. Ron Wyatt, that's it, Ron Wyatt. Um... And they actually tested that blood, and they found a unique thing about it that the, the um, oh I forgot what it's called now, but there's like a a, a a signal in that blood that 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 says it's it's still alive, and and it's similar to the signal. Um, oh please, if somebody knows what I'm what I mean, you know, come up with the right word um the um is is what happens when when uh you know an egg is fertilized that that signal actually goes to that egg th- that creates life it's the same signal it's the same signature uh which for myself I call it the god's signature because it's that connection where he gives life do you know do you know what i mean
2: I hadn't heard that about the ark or the what you saying about the the blood um but the
1: I think that, because, I think I've got oh, those go up on my YouTube account if anybody wants to do some research on that it's um yeah and and pam are you referring to the research that was done on conception
3: and the spark of life yes yeah. yes okay yes. okay i gotcha yes yeah and i i think i think that's connected you know um because i mean when, when we're talking about the, the, the presence of the Lord, I mean, what better presence than when, when, when we're created? And then that presence was there in the blood, even though, even though it's been all these many centuries since Jesus was crucified, that that, that spark was still there, that spark was still connecting. That that's where I believe, where, where, where it says, you know, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And, and, and the connection between Isaac, the joy of the Lord, and between Abram. I mean, Abraham had to go through some stuff. I mean, he went through dark times, and the Lord took him through dark times. But the Lord was always with him, because it was the Lord. I believe it was the Lord that, went, when it said the angels came to visit Abraham um and and it was it was an he, he welcomed them and you know it uh, as as was the custom then and um gave them something to eat and that's when they told him that he would have a son
2: right yeah that was definitely he knew that he was entertaining god he knew that that yeah. was he recognized that the angel of the lord was yeah. god
3: yeah you see you can't do that unless you have a relationship and you can't know a relationship if you if you don't know all the details um you know um and this is where losing out on not understanding the old testament can that people can't have a full relationship because they don't understand with the complete work of, of what's written in scriptures they only get half a picture mhm you know, and I well, yeah. think when you you get the old picture when you go through it all.
2: Yeah, one one of the other wonderful benefits associated with studying the Old Testament, uh, seeing the pictures and types of Christ, familiarizing yourself with the prophecies, is it can be a tremendous uh, gift to your faith. And mm-hmm. we, I'm, you know, my oldest child is eleven. And so we have our family Bible studies, and my children ask these very genuine questions, very good questions. I don't think parents should ever criticize their children when they have uh, questions or maybe doubts. You don't want to tell your child, oh, how can you say that? I mean, God gave you life, and here you are questioning whether he gave his son for your sins. I mean, you want to – that would be – then you can almost ensure you're you're never going to hear from your children again. And so when – so one of my children – has asked me a few times how do we know that the bible is the word of god and of course i you know i, I would rather that my child just have this overwhelming uh, confidence at, at the earliest stage that the bible is the word of god and i hope that'll be the case for her but right now she, you know she's asking some good questions and one of them is how do we know the bible is wasn't just written by man and that it's actually written by god mm-hmm. And you know, one of the best ways to develop that confidence is to have that familiarity with the Old Testament because then I think you see these things, these pictures of Christ and ways that Christ has revealed centuries or uh, millenniums before he came, even just Jonah. I mean, I know we're talking primarily about Abraham and Isaac, but Jonah too, Jonah is probably the clearest picture in all of the Old Testament of Christ's resurrection there mm-hmm. are prophecies or pictures of Christ's death um, I, you know in 1 Corinthians 15 Paul says uh, he's raised on the third day according to the scriptures and so we know that the Old Testament looked to Christ's death, burial, and resurrection but where? It's one of the most well known um, you know, verses that the that the scriptures testified that he would be raised on the third day. But if you ask most people, they can't tell you where that, where that prophecy is. Whereas other prophecies about his birth in Bethlehem, born of a virgin, you know, coming out, that's from, you've got uh, Bethlehem and Micah, you've got the virgin birth and Isaiah. And these other prophecies are pretty well known that, you know, people just have to scratch their heads associated with Jesus being raised on the third day. And where that's, <coughs> where that's spoken of. Well, one of the, clearest places, looking to Christ's resurrection, is in Jonah. I mean, when that whale vomits, vomits him out on land, uh, it's just, I mean, the death, burial, and resurrection is so clear through Jonah that that's why Jesus said, that's the sign you get. I mean, mm-hmm. if you consider how tremendous that was, Jesus hung all of his credibility. He, he was asked for a sign And he said, the sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah. And I don't, I mean, Mm. I don't even know of other, he speaks singularly. He says the sign. There's lots of other types and shadows, but Jonah seems to be the one sign because when Jesus died, was buried and resurrected, Jonah 700 years earlier had served as such a tremendous picture of that. And so my whole point is, those are the things I would talk about with my children or the things that I would encourage people to talk about with their friends because when my children say, how do we know this is God's word? I'd say, well, 700 years before Jesus died, buried, and was rose again, you have this discussion of this man being swallowed and then and vomited out or resurrected. Well, why is that there? I mean, what is that about? Is it really mostly or primarily about a man who runs from God and then God chases him down with a fish? No, that's you know, there's a lesson there about not running from God. Sure, you can make that application. But mm-hmm. primarily, it's the Father, it's God revealing His Son, and what was going to take place with Him. And, and that's mm-hmm. why that language in Jonah 2, I mean, the language is the language of death. It talks about Jonah, I mean, you're, you're, when you read Jonah 2, the language of death is so strong, you would think Jonah died. The language of burial is uh. so strong, the language of burial is so strong, it doesn't sound like he's um, buried in a fish. It sounds like he's buried in the ground, you know. And yeah. why is there that? Why that? Why such strong language? Because it's looking forward to, to revealing Christ.
3: Yeah, yeah. The striking thing I I found with with um, understanding the the story of Jonah um, is that when the people of Nineveh were actually um, they worshipped a, a fish god. And um I thought it was ironic that that it was a fish that swallowed Jonah up. And when he was spat on the shore, obviously he'd been in the the the, the stomach of the fish. Apparently he were bleached. Um because he'd been inside the stomach of the fish for so long. Mm-hmm. And it must have terrified the people there when when uh, when they came across him when he was spat up on the on the beach. And it's and it the connection I'm making with regard to the fish and the fish god is that the early Christians chose the fish. Um mm. and today they do, they they chose the fish as a, a as a recognition of one from one Christian to another. The sign of the fish. Mhm. I can't remember the actual um the actual um words in Greek for that, but um mm-hmm. That always struck me. So I mean, that's another way I'm looking at it as well.
2: Yeah, and the interesting thing is, it's a an odd. Right before the fish vomited Jonah out, it says that God spoke to him, and you just don't mm. see that often in Scripture. You don't see God addressing uh, animals. You don't see Him addressing living but non-human um, things. And so mm. just to see his, just to see His sovereignty or His control. You know, you've got so I hadn't thought of that before. I hadn't considered that that the Ninevites were worshiping some sort of fish, fish. god. But then, yeah. But then you def- you definitely see the authority or sovereignty of God over every fish in that He speaks to a fish, and and that fish is so submitted or He is so sovereign that that fish spits Jonah out right at the moment yeah. that God address- addresses it. Yeah,
3: yeah. Well, it's like the donkey, isn't it? Balaam's donkey.
2: Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Just- another good I still example.
3: Find, I still find funny. I think it's brilliant, that.
1: Yeah, I believe that was Dagon, wasn't it, that they worshipped?
2: Dagon no. was the Philistine, was the god of the Philistines. I'm not sure if he was also a false god to the to the Ninevites or not, but he was the false god that when the ark was captured, he yeah. put They put the ark in front of – because there's no – I mean, the interesting thing with God, whether the Old Testament or the New Testament, and I think we lose sight of this, is how unique it is or odd that there are no representations of him. I mean, if you go into Christian churches, at least uh, biblically ordered ones, you're not going to see statues and images and representations of God, and we we forget how truly um, unique or unbelievable that is because – since we're coming to church to worship, we would expect there would be some representation or some statue or image. That's, that's what there is in every single other religion, but, there's, but God doesn't want any, I mean, that's the, you know, you've got the first commandment there that God doesn't want any representations of him.
3: That's right. Yeah. But, my,
2: but my point is, in the Old Testament, when they capture the ark, that was as close as they could get to capturing God himself, because if you were to defeat or supposedly capture one of the false gods in the Old Testament, you you capture the idol. You know, you took some of the statues yeah. home or something. Like, I can't remember that one that one king, I think it was Amaziah, who took home the gods of the Edomites after he defeated the Edomites. How foolish that was that mm. he he defeats the Edomites. Their gods supposedly can't even, their false gods can't deliver the Edomites, and then he takes them home and worships them. But anyway, the point is when the Philistines defeated the Israelites and thought that they had victory over them, they considered it a great triumph to be able to bring home the Ark because that was the closest representation of Yahweh, or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it sort of always left, because there was no statues or representations of God, there was always a a lingering or nagging suspicion that he's still out there, that he's not bound Mm. to he, he's not bound to something that can be made by human hands, and yeah. so they take the ark and put it before Dagon, and then you know, we know the almost. If if, if the Bible has comical moments, that's one of those moments that could be almost oh, considered absolutely. comical. Yeah, it's, so. uh,
3: I went into esthetics when I read it. Yeah. So you show him, Lord. You show him. ah oh, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I went to I went to church, and. Um, Pastor always used to say, Has anybody got anything to share? and I stuck my hand up as usual. And he says, Come on then, let's let's see what you've got and I read that and I couldn't stop laughing. Because uh-huh. I thought it was absolutely wonderful what the Lord did. Yeah. You know. Uh, I mean i they 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 couldn't figure out what were happening and I come there, God was laid prostrate before Ark when they went in next morning. Yeah. And uh, limb by limb, and then his head uh, broke off. Right. And, and, and I just couldn't stop laughing. I just thought it, I just thought it were brilliant. These are, the ge- these are the little gems that you miss when you don't go into Old Testament. Mm-hmm. But these show the power of God. These show that God is at work, even though we can't see it more often mm-hmm. than not, or we don't recognize
2: it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to see Sally? our search. Or oh, go ahead.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Sally, do you have any questions for Scott? No, I'm just listening. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Usually you have some good input. I'll wait. It'll come. <laughs> I was okay, the one exactly. that wanted to go by it. Yeah.
3: Do you got anything else to say, Scott?
2: <laughs> well, I mean I'm a pastor. I can I can pretty much talk without stopping, you know, so
3: Oh, feel free. <laughs> I, just... I, I tend to join in. I I tend to get the, the nudges rather than initiate. Um uh, I'm, well, I'm yeah. not very good, you know. But I can I can pick things up so far through.
2: Yeah, I don't wanna I don't wanna talk too much, so you know you can just interrupt me. But I I, I talk <laughs> about the study of the Bible for a living, and I don't don't get tired of it. So I could pretty much just you know move from one one topic to the next. But just oh. regarding the Old Testament, I recognize our church. We have a pretty conservative church. A lot of homeschooling families, and that's not a commentary on homeschooling or not homeschooling. I'm just trying to describe our church a little bit, and I feel like we're kind of weak in the area of outreach, and I've wanted to see us grow in that area. And so last Sunday, I decided to preach on when Hezekiah reinstituted the Passover. And I mean, obviously, you know, if you want to see your church grow in outreach, you can preach on the Great Commission, or there's other verses in the in the New Testament about sharing your faith, or you can look, look at what Paul did in Acts. But I just always really like that account when Hezekiah reinstituted Passover. He was king of the southern kingdom of Judah, but he invited all of the wicked people from the northern kingdom of Israel, who, it was an apostate nation. They'd all turned from the Lord some number of, of years earlier. In fact, Hezekiah actually invited them right after the Assyrians had wiped out the northern kingdom of Israel or conquered them. And so Israel had gotten so bad that God had to punish them with the Assyrians conquering them. And and so, you know, that's how bad they were when Hezekiah invited them to Passover. And so it shows that Hezekiah had to invite them knowing that most of them were not going to respond. And that was the case. There's actually a verse that says that many of the people in the northern kingdom mocked and ridiculed the messengers that Hezekiah sent out. But to me, Mm -hmm. it's just a really beautiful a beautiful picture of evangelism and outreach and how we need to reach out to those people that are,
4: um,
2: you know, we don't expect to respond well that, that are very unlikely to, uh, come to church or Bible study. And I I guess my point is that we're talking about the old Testament and I thought it was a, a sermon that some number of people found to be very challenging, but it, you know, it was the old Testament that provided that sort of, um, encouragement and exhortation, and so mm-hmm. you know, it's just it's just got tremendous accounts in it. The Old Testament does for our mm. that's what First Corinthians ten, First Corinthians ten, Romans fifteen both state. The Old Testament is written for our instruction, for examples for us, for our admonition, and so yeah, if we neglect it, we're missing, we're neglecting so yeah. much of the instruction that God has for us. Yeah, yeah,
3: and examples. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. you know Scott one thing you said towards the end of the book that I really liked because I've been looking at, at worship and our preconceived notions about worship is that you said I think it was obedience is worship mm. do you remember that part
4: yeah
2: that th- thanks for the feedback there is Something called the principle of first mention, And I'll say it loosely because I don't You know the Bible doesn't say that this is the case But I do think it's a, a good reasonable uh, approach You can take with scripture And so the principle of first mention States that the first time a certain word is used It's often used in the truest sense of the word Or God is revealing the clearest meaning of that word And so often scholars will look at the first time words are used in the Bible, and give them speci- give, it'll have um, special significance. So, for example, Genesis 22 actually has a number of words that are used for the first time, the word love. Take the son whom you love. And that's kind of surprising because we might think that the first time the word love is used, it would be used between a husband and wife. Or mate, you know Who knows, but it was used to describe a father's love for his son, And then interestingly in the New Testament, the New Testament parallel, the first time the word love is used, it's also used to describe um, a father's love for his son. but It's God the Father's love for his son Jesus at his baptism when his voice rings out and and expresses his Mm -hmm. pleasure, and that's the case for Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then in John's gospel, it's about God's love for the world in John Mm 3.16. But anyway, another word that occurs for the first time in Genesis 22 is the word worship when Abraham tells Isaac or or excuse me, when Abraham tells the servants, Behold you know, my son and I are gonna go yonder and worship. Now to think that Abraham used the word worship regarding sacrificing his son is practically unfathomable. I mean it's hard just to wrap your mind around that, that Abraham could know because he, he, people wonder that, you know, was Abraham really going to sacrifice his son? We know that he was going to sacrifice his son, not because he raised his, his knife. You know, because, that, yeah, that makes it look pretty certain. But Hebrews 11 tells us that Abraham was going to sacrifice him because he believed that God was going to raise him from the dead. And so if you ever mm-hmm. wonder, well, did Abraham really plan to do it? We know he planned to do it because Hebrews tells us that Abraham – thought that God was going to raise him from the dead because God had promised him all these descendants and he hadn't had any yet except for Isaac. And if he killed Isaac, then all those descendants are not going to come into the world. So God says, or so Abraham harmonizes this tension. He reconciles this difficult situation by saying, okay, well I guess I'm supposed to sacrifice my son, but then God will have to bring him back from the dead so he can have all these descendants that God has promised. Mm, And so he really was going to do it. He was going to, So he Mm. goes up the mountain with this intention of of sacrificing Isaac and he calls it worship. And that's so powerful to me because I think we, I say the word worship and at least in our American culture or churches, we think of singing, you know, we think of the music portion of the service. We we might not even think of the sermon or the preaching as worship, but obviously Abraham wasn't doing any singing. He was going to, he was going to obey God. And so to me, worship is obedience, the relationship Mm -hmm. between them. You know, they're practically synonymous to obey God is to worship God and to worship God is to obey God. And so if you want to consider worship and what, what makes worship greater than other instances of worship, I would say it has to be the sacrifice that's involved because the sacrifice is what's going to determine how worshipful something is. And so singing songs in church, I mean, it it can be worshipful, but whatever is a really difficult thing to do, like loving someone who's unlovable or forgiving someone who's really hurt you or serving someone when you don't feel like it. I mean, those are acts of worship because there's a lot of sacrifice involved in it. Mm. And so it, it would be very reasonable because I can't, Think of many sacrifices in the Old Testament that were more difficult than what Abraham had to do. And so it's very reasonable to consider that Abraham had the greatest act of worship in the entire Old Testament when he was willing to sacrifice his son. I mean, maybe one of the greatest instances of worship in all of Scripture because when he was willing to sacrifice Isaac, It required more sacrifice on his part to execute the son he so dearly loved than almost anything else, you know, people were called to do and the tremendous faith that it took. And so it was just an amazing um, instance of worship. Mm. I think of, um, you know, Joseph and the way that he never questioned God or criticized God despite all the terrible things he was going through when he got him thrown in the pit, and then arrested, and put in prison unjustly, and I mean, that was tremendous worship on his part, to continue to um, follow God, and never be bitter, or angry about all the things that he was going through, and so, worship is really mm-hmm. about uh, the sacrifices that we make for God, it's, it's way more mm-hmm. than just singing, you know, on Sunday. Yeah,
3: that's like Paul, isn't it, with, uh, was it Silas, when they were imprisoned, And they'd been beaten. Yeah. They worshipped. They worshipped.
2: Yeah. Well, even the language of Romans, where it said in in Romans 12, when it talks about your sacrifice, your your reasonable sacrifice, your your living, your life is your worship by living as Mm -hmm. a sacrifice for God. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. what makes your life uh, a life of worship. Is by living sacrificially for the Lord. That's what Romans twelve says, at
3: least. One of one of the one of the scriptures that's been on my mind a lot the last uh, few weeks has been, um, <clears throat> "Whatsoever you do, do it as unto the Lord," and you can apply that in everything in your life, uh, whether it's washing the dishes, whether it's taking out the trash, whether it's um, whatever you do, you know, uh, meeting meeting neighbors, meeting strangers, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And um, sometimes, as you said, it can be a very difficult thing, you know, especially if things are going hard. But if we really believe that God is in control of everything that comes our way and that he's ordering our steps, then if we're walking according in obedience to what He's called us to do and to where He's called us to be, uh, instead of wishing we were somewhere else, instead of um, complaining about our lot, then we should commit those cares that we have to the Lord, and and do whatever we have to do or what's putting our hands to do, as unto the Lord.
2: Yeah, well, friend. I can't remember the exact address, but in Zechariah, Zechariah was one of the prophets. He was one of the post-exilic prophets to the Jews after they returned back to the land after their exile in Babylon, mm. and they were supposed to rebuild the temple. And I think it's in Zechariah 3 or 4 but it, uh, God said, do not despise the day of small things,
4: mm. because
2: this is this is pleasing to the Lord. And mm. so that idea that, kind of like you're saying, there's these things that we don't want to do, we might even uh, despise them. They seem like small things, whether it's mm-hmm. washing the dishes or, ch- you know, in our life it's changing diapers or whatever those, <laughs> um, you know, those things are we don't really like doing. But God says do not despise the day of small things. And it's it's not just that we shouldn't despise it. It's not so much of a rebuke, but it actually says that God takes pleasure in these things. And that mm-hmm. to me is what is what's really challenging is that, even these, you know, because I think, oh, if we're going to really please God or we're going to do something dramatic, we've got to go be a missionary overseas or build orphanages or something.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: And so, you know, on Sunday when we're at church, people could look, I guess, maybe at me preaching and think, oh, that's the really great, wonderful thing, you know, is the guy the guy that's out there preaching. But there's people serving in the nursery. There's people that clean the church that week. There's, yeah. there's parents that are Trying to keep their children quiet, that were tired and didn't want to come to church that day. There's people that
4: mm-hmm.
2: are tired and just want to go home, but instead they're staying a while after church to make time for new people or see if there's anyone that just wants to talk. And all those things are are pleasing, you know, to the Lord. Yeah, He takes pleasure yeah. in them.
3: Well, people looking on, the uh, the watching, even the angels are watching, watching us. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, our lives. Are uh, a uh, 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 sermon really? Uh, they they are um, more of a witness than what we can say. I, rem- I remember the Lord gave me that many years ago, and um, you know I was I was out there. You know, and, uh, my neighbour used to dread going outside to go washing up because I'd catch her and that see, I'd be away. You know, I know somebody who washes whiter than that. <laughs> you know, and I'd, I'd be off on one, and then. Um, She used to dread going out. She used to look out the door and make sure I weren't there. Um, But she did come for prayer a lot, you know, after that. But um, the point I'm making is the Lord said, you know, your life speaks a lot louder to people than words. If your life's in line, that will speak to others because they're watching. And uh, mm-hmm. I know of someone who came to me and were crying and said she'd overheard somebody talking about her, And she said, you know, all she heard was, oh, she calls herself a Christian and she does this and this and this. She said they didn't know she was in the toilets. And she came out and uh, she came and talked to me. And I said, well, you know, they can only throw stones if you give them the stones to throw. As we have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling we have to walk circumspectly we have to watch what we're saying and what we're doing and how we're behaving you know and if our focus is more on God we'll be more concerned about what he thinks and, and not what others think and we'll watch what we're saying and we'll watch what we're doing and how we're behaving and, mm-hmm. and, that, and that is a, a bigger uh, a bigger light to shine and um assured me that I mean one candle, just one candle can can throw back the darkness just one, and it you know mm-hmm. when two or three more get together and it becomes like a candelabra, that throws back more darkness, but you know we can soon put that candle out by the way by the way we 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 behave and you know, you could. I, I've done it myself where I've I've witnessed to people, and I've, you know, and then perhaps uh, uh, a little while later, they see me and I've had an off day and I've lost my temper. And I thought, oh, well, mm-hmm. she calls us any Christian. Well, I mean, we're all human and we do do it. But the thing is, if we don't, if we're not careful, they, they get the wrong picture, they get the wrong idea. And I've had to apologize. And 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 so, well, you know, don't blame God just because I got it wrong, you know. And and that's what a lot of people do. They say, pooh, you know, if that's what they could do and they can get away with it and they can please themselves, what's the point in going through all that trouble?"
2: Yeah, I understand that. That's a one of the criticisms. You know, Christians are hypocrites the or they're sinners too. And but there's yeah. a, there is there is a way when we fail, which we all do in our witness mm. yeah. to others to strive to redeem those situations by simply mm-hmm. going and asking for forgiveness because, you know, Christ was the picture of humility. And so one of the best mm-hmm. ways to look like Christ is to to be humble. And so when we fail and we don't respond to someone the way that we should or we lose our temper or we're, mm. um, you know, whatever, we miss an appointment with someone and then we make an excuse and feel – and realize we lied about it and have to ask for forgiveness, then those are still ways to strive to redeem those situations. Because yeah. most people in the world, most unbelievers, are not going to respond that way with that sort of humility. So it's still a good witness to go to someone and say, "Hey, you know, when when, when we were talking, I feel like I, I gossiped about this person. I shouldn't have. Will you please forgive me?" Or when
4: mm-hmm. we were
2: talking and I, I told you. Uh, that I had, I read that and I didn't read it. It was a lie, and I'm convicted about it. Will you please forgive me? You know, those are yeah. things that to unbelievers can still definitely be a good a good witness yeah. and testimony.
3: And and in doing that, we're being obedient. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, it it is worship. Mm-hmm.
1: So quiet. <laughs> so Scott, bad, are
2: though, your teachings
1: available on the internet at all?
2: Yes, our website. Or just your books. Uh no, my my books are available on um Amazon and on my personal website, but all my sermons are available on our church website, LivingChristian dot net. I'd be happy to provide the Provide the link for that, or um, you know, underneath the podcast page, I could give you that information. Give you the the link for my website too to to order books. But the sermons are free, so you can mm-hmm. listen to them regularly. And I do have some video sermons on YouTube from preaching at other places or putting on conferences. That's also available.
3: I've got one or you downloaded, Scott. <laughs> Very good. <laughs>
2: okay where, where
3: I am, where I am, the Lord pulled me out to the the churches some years ago, and I've had no permission to go anywhere, and I won't go unless he, he shows me and he tells me where he wants me to go. I just won't go um so really, you know, uh, I glean where I can
2: <laughs> okay. and i
3: thought i I, I got your, I got some of the and I thought they were very good.
2: Thank
1: you. Yeah, if you can email me those links, I'll add them to the um,
2: okay, show notes. Okay, to the podcast or message? Okay.
1: Yeah.
2: Great.
1: Because after this podcast is over and I download it, I put it up everywhere, so I oh, like, okay, <laughs> like to put all the, the links in it, but I don't know why I didn't put that link in it. I don't know if I didn't have it or if I had a senior moment or <laughs> what do you put was it going on, Gab?
3: on Dorothy do you, put it on Gab? Do, you, do you put them on Gab yes I do I put the links on Gab yeah
1: and MeWe that's a strange name for a website I just that's as bad as that that Convenience store in New Jersey—they call Wawa. It <laughs> ah. me up.
3: There's another one you know, uh, similar, similar to YouTube, and it's L B R Y dot I O. It's it's um, an alternative to YouTube. That's very good.
1: You have to send me that link, Pam, because that's mm-hmm. one I I miss. Because I'm on Video. I found that one. That's the health ranger guy. Yeah. You know, it's and L- I still put him up on... L-
3: yeah. L for letter, B for bear, R for Romeo, Y for Yankee, dot, I for Italy, and O for Oscar. L-B-R-Y dot I-O. It's, it's only just more or less starting up, but they've got quite a few thousand putting um uh you know um videos and that up. I say, if there's a, if there's an opportunity get in there and it's it's um there's no restrictions on it so you know it's going to be like gab, you know that you know that it's going to be um okay to put it up. Okay, I got it up. I'm going to put it in my little
1: one-tab cache there so I don't lose it.
4: hmm
1: So.
3: Is there anything so Scott, else? Do you have? Uh, what? Go ahead, Dorothy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was wondering if Scott had anything pressing on his heart by the father that needs to... He said to the people listening, do you have anything prescient?
2: Um, I think just sort of reflecting on the conversation, I've appreciated the discussion of the Old Testament, which um, just kind of encourages me to want to encourage people to invest in it and study it and really reap some of the benefits from it. I had a friend that compared... God's word, kind of to swimming in, in the ocean, and it sounds like sounded a little odd at first. But the idea is many people are kind of swimming on the surface, and if you swim down under the water and dive down a little bit, you can see some of the beautiful things down there. But he said the real, real treasure is sort of people that really dig down deep and swim down to to get something that they can, you know, take home with them or that they can find. And so, yeah, that would be my my final encouragement is there's definitely blessing just from reading the Bible with a, um, you know, I don't want to say a surface reading, but if, you, if you're if you just kind of reading it for pleasure, there, there's a wonderful joy associated with that. But there's also blessing associated with digging in and meditating on it. And, and you know, that's why Ezekiel and Revelation both have, John and Revelation and Ezekiel both have that analogy of, a scroll, consuming a scroll That's bitter and sweet uh, To me it's mm-hmm. the idea that the God's word Is supposed to be consumed There's parts of it that are sweet Encouraging mm-hmm. And parts that are bitter, that are challenging That rebuke us and convict mm-hmm. us And so, mm-hmm. yeah, that would just be My final encouragement to anyone listening Is to um, you know, Make sure you're in God's word regularly As a pastor If I could have one simple uh, Request all of the congregation, it would be that they read God's Word regularly because I think if people will do that, then it'll solve so many other problems and resolve so many other issues. And inevitably, whenever people come into my office or they're having trouble, I, whether it's with sin or in their marriage, whatever the case, and I say, well, tell me what your devotional time is look like. Tell me what your time in God's Word has look like. Mm-hmm. It's almost always they don't they haven't had one. And so yeah, there's a strong connection there between how we're doing and spiritually and, and generally how, our, how we're doing in life. And, um, you know, so I just encourage people to dig into God's Word, study it, pray over it, meditate on it, you know, try to consume it like that idea with the scroll. So, yeah, that would just be the last thing to share. Thanks for the opportunity to, to be on the show and discuss my book and share, share God's Word with everyone listening.
1: Yeah, I I love the way Scripture is has got so many depths and layers, and and almost every Scripture has different ways to apply them. You know, you have your historical and your literal, and you have your spiritual, individual mm-hmm. and corporate. I I love the way Father's Word is just so multifaceted and multi-layered, but.
2: Yeah. yeah, we're going and through
1: the gospel. Go, oh, go ahead. Sorry. But go ahead. Go ahead. And we don't have to end the conversation now if if you're not ready to end. I just wanted to make sure everybody knew, you know, because sometimes okay. people, Father gives, gives people, you know, he lays something on your heart that he wants you to share. So I just wanted to address that before we closed out, which could be now or an hour from now, doesn't matter, but <laughs>
3: okay. <laughs> <All too.
1: laughs> cause usually when we have a show, because you'll see I have several teachers on the channel, and when we girls get together, we usually go the whole three hours, I have to admit, so, <laughs> oh, three hours, oh, we did, yes, we, did we do, so you we don't didn't have to do three hours. <laughs> <No>.
2: <laughs> I actually saw it was getting close to the hour mark and I thought, boy, I've been talking too much. I better I better wrap up or let let other people talk. I've been dominating the whole hour. I just thought it was one hour. I had no idea. Three hours.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, we get yeah. T- two hours live stream and then one hour recording. So and and like I said, every time we do a show, we usually go all the way three hours, so. Oh wow, okay. <laughs> So if You're you want guy, to stay, stay. I, I'm enjoying your input. I really am. Um, Sally is being awfully quiet. Yeah. Yeah. What's up with Sally tonight? I'm listening. <laughs>
0: and and also, and also reading as I'm as I'm listening. I was looking at um. I, I didn't read through. I started reading some off and on throughout um, the past weeks, and then last night. But then I was looking as he was speaking. But I really enjoy. I'm enjoying Scott's wisdom and his understanding of scripture. Um, yes, and and just some of the things that he um, that are happening in my life that um just really jumped out he was talking about obedience and worship and um and the submission of isaac and jesus and and laying down their lives to their fathers and uh, god's really been dealing with me a lot about that just being crucified with christ and and dying to yourself and to your flesh and your reactions and, and your perceptions of what he wants and what his what your perception of his will is and what the truth of his will is. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. But
0: then also, um, I was just I looked I think it was on page forty something in his book and he was talking about how um he was talking about the uh how Abraham was saved by grace through faith. And he began talking about the gospel, and I don't know if you mentioned this earlier, but he said that it's interesting that the gospel was summarized or preached without the mention of Christ. Um, And so I I thought that was uh, very not – I thought it was insightful because many times people – don't understand that you can share the gospel in a way i mean you're gonna talk about christ sooner or later but he was just the way he's um condensed it and so if you could elaborate on that um god i don't know if you already talked about it before but i just thought that was okay uh, a great revelation of how god is so he's so mystery. Mysterious.
2: <laughs> okay. and,
0: he, and it's just layers, like you were just saying, there's layers of revelation that God gives people.
2: Okay. Okay, so in Galatians 3 8, I think it's Galatians 3 8, uh, it says that God preached the gospel to Abraham. And that alone is pretty interesting to consider because we tend to think that the gospel is a, a New Testament creation or, or Paul's invention. Like It it just sort of originated in the New Testament And that Would be a really wrong view Because that would It would say either that people were not Saved in the Old Testament Or it would say that they were saved differently Than the New Testament Preaches Which would I guess then you would have to believe That maybe people in the Old Testament were saved by works And we know that's an impossibility Because nobody can be saved by works And so people were saved in the Old Testament Just like they're saved in the New Testament, which is by grace through faith, and so then you say, okay, well, that's interesting because we're saved by grace through faith as we believe that Jesus died for our sins, but what about these people in the Old Testament who didn't have as much revelation as we do? And so right there in Galatians 3.8, it says that God preached the gospel to Abraham, and then you say, wow, well, you know, what did he tell him? Did he tell him about Christ or Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. No, he didn't. It actually tells us what what he told us, that he said, in you the nations of the earth will be blessed. And it looks to the Abrahamic covenant that God established with him, that he he would have a nation, and the Messiah would come through that nation, and that Messiah would be a blessing to the peoples of the earth. And so you clearly have um, a gospel presentation that's Very, very different than what we typically think of as a gospel presentation. And even in Jesus' day, I mean, even when Jesus was on the earth uh, during leading up to his crucifixion, it says that they preached the kingdom of God. And you could say, well, what does that mean that they preached the kingdom of God? Well, they preached the kingdom of God because they couldn't preach Christ's death, burial, and resurrection yet because he hadn't died, been buried, and resurrected. So then after the cross you see people preaching Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Paul says, I've determined to know nothing except Christ and him crucified. And Paul says, we preach Christ. We preach his death, burial, and resurrection. So that's the gospel. After the cross, before the cross, during Jesus' earthly life, the gospel was basically preaching the kingdom of God, that God brought the kingdom from heaven to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. And then prior to Christ's birth, the Old Testament, the preaching was people looking forward to the Messiah coming. And so they clearly didn't have the same revelation we do. And so I guess what I would say is people clearly can be saved um, without having the full revelation that we have because there were you know, people throughout the Old Testament who were saved without having the same full revelation that we have. Uh, and in Hebrews 4, it says that God preached the gospel to the Israelites when they're in the wilderness And you say well that's well, kind of that, weird how, did, yeah, how, how or when did God Preach the gospel or good news to the Israelites In the wilderness He did it at least my suspicion Is through the different types and shadows That were revealed I mean that's the main point of my book Is that Christ is revealed through Genesis 22 But some of the other most beautiful and dramatic Pictures or types of Christ In all of scripture Are in uh, the books of Exodus And Numbers for example the bronze serpent. Everyone knows John 3:16 and it's probably the most well-known verse, but a few verses before that, I think it's John 3:14, Jesus says, as the bronze serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. And so, if you can see the bronze serpent as a picture type of Christ, then you can also see how it really looked forward to Jesus because how how were how were people saved? Um, after they were bitten by those snakes, a bronze serpent was lifted up. They looked to that bronze serpent and were saved. They didn't do anything to be saved. I mean, it was they were saved by faith by just looking up to this bronze serpent. You say why a bronze serpent? A serpent is always a, is pretty much pretty closely associated with sin because the devil was a serpent or came as a serpent. And then bronze is a picture of fire or judgment because metal or bronze is is you know heated up or fired up so that it can be used, and so when you've got the bronze serpent being lifted up, you've got sin being lifted up and judged. That's what the bronze serpent pictures, and that's what Christ was. Christ was um, sin. You know, he became sin when he was on the cross, lifted up, and judged for us. Second 2 Corinthians five twenty one: God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so we might become the righteousness of, Christ, righteousness of God. And the manna. You know, the manna came down. Jesus says in John 6, I'm the true bread from heaven. And that makes sense because every day that they ate that manna, they had to go out the next day and get some more. They were going to die. Everyone who ate that manna ended up dying some years down the road. So the manna that came down from heaven, I mean, it wasn't really that great because everyone still died when they ate it. But then Jesus is the true, true bread, the true manna from heaven that gives people eternal life, the, the rock. In the wilderness that the water sprung from Jesus says in John 7 Or when he's talking to the woman at the well In John 4 about being the living water And and if you drink Consume him you won't ever thirst again Spiritually and he offers eternal life And so Those ways that I think Christ was Revealed to Israel when they're in the wilderness Are through those types And shadows you know and the ark Itself they camped around the ark The ark was a picture of Christ, all the sacrifices obviously that took place in the wilderness were pictures or types of Christ the priests as they interceded for the people with pictures and types of Christ um, the veil that hung that separated people from the holiest of holies was a picture of Christ's body I can't remember the exact address but in Hebrews it says that the veil is uh, Christ's body in that when Christ's body was torn on the cross it gave us access to the father and when Jesus died Matthew 27:51 the veil was torn from top to bottom and so when that veil was torn it was a picture of Christ's body being torn that when it was torn it allowed us to have access to God to boldly approach him with confidence and so just all these tremendous ways that the Israelites could see could see the father or could see Christ through these types was I think, the way that God preached the gospel to them. And if they believed by faith, then, you know, they were saved by faith just like, just like we're saved by faith. And, you know, Genesis 15, one of the most important verses in Scripture, Paul quotes it in Romans, he quotes it in Galatians. Abraham believed the Lord, believed God, and God accounted it to him for righteousness. So you've got Abraham being justified, was saved by faith, not by works. And the timing of it, you know, Abraham, Genesis 15 is two chapters before Genesis 17, and you say, what's the big deal about that? Well, circumcision is given in Genesis 17, and so to (laughs) the Jewish mind, to the Jew who thinks you have to be circumcised to be saved, then they see that Abraham is justified or declared righteous by God years Mm -hmm. before circumcision was even given. Say nothing about the law. You've got the law is given, um, you know, 450 years later. So you definitely can't say that people are saved by the law because or justified by the law because Abraham was declared righteous by faith, you know, um, uh, four and a half centuries before the law was given. And so really the lo- so that's why Paul quotes um, Genesis 15:6 in Romans and Galatians because you have you have justification so. Clearly distinct from works Of the flesh or from, from a Works of the law And the other reason I think Paul Probably quotes that so much is It's about Abraham and if you Want to have credibility with the Jews you, You're not going to have much more credibility Than Abraham I mean he's the father of faith You've kind of got the big three you've got Abraham David and Moses and so If if Paul's going to draw on Abraham He's going to be someone that all the Jews Say you know He's got great credibility. We trust him. We believe in him. And so the fact that he was justified apart from circumcision and the laws is a great example of justification by faith, by believing.
0: Powerful. boy, <laughs> powerful. I also um, enjoyed um, seeing how you um, – expounded on the word but then you would ask introspective questions Um, at the end I like how it's set up so that people can not only just look at you know the scripture and the revelation that God is giving you or the revelation you so um, clearly uh, try to explain or help them to see Um, but it also the questions that you ask um causes others to, to look and examine themselves and it's just I'm I'm one of those now I'm sitting here I'm thinking, I really should have gone through this and we've had time enough I had time enough to study <laughs> 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 and to prepare before the test. But now I'm looking and I'm just like, I really need to go back through this and and apply it and actually ask those questions of myself or Look at what you share, and and see how, and to see you know where I need to grow and what I need to apply um, in my life. I I like the, um, I was primarily this last chapter. It was no, it's not the last chapter. It's chapter eight. It's, it talks about God prepares His people.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, there's just so much. Even as I was reading through and scanning, I just thought you should do an hour on each chapter because it's as if you, even hearing you talk, um, it's as if you're sharing um, some of the revelation, but there's more and it's you just condensed it. <laughs> like you didn't want to overwhelm <laughs> people, but it's just,
2: there's just so much in there. Yeah. Praise God. Well, that blesses me. Yeah, I put the questions at the end because I hope the books can serve people uh, individually if people just want to read it and do their own personal Bible study. But I've been blessed by some churches that have used my materials for like a Sunday school or a home fellowship. Uh, There's two churches right now that are using – one church is using Marriage God's Way and the accompanying workbook for a Sunday school, and then another church is using Enduring Trials God's Way Mm – and so mm-hmm. Marriage God's Way has a workbook with a bunch of questions, and then Enduring Trials God's Way is set up like a father offers his son with the questions at the end. And I, I think we all agree that you, um, you hear, I mean, you can even like what you hear. You could think it's fantastic. You can walk away from a sermon or conference and just say, oh, that was, you know, that was so amazing, but it's so hard to remember mm-hmm. what we re- what we heard. And it's the same with reading. And so that's why it's important to try to cement in our minds and more importantly in our hearts what we learn and uh, discuss, you know, answering questions is one of the best, writing things down is one of the best ways to do that. And so that's kind of my hope with discussion questions at the end of the chapter is that people can take the stuff that they read and then um, there's more likelihood of them bringing it with them, and keeping it with them mentally if they write, write things down and reflect on, these, on the questions that I put there. So thanks for the encouragement about that. I'll try to keep doing that in other books.
1: Yeah, you know, right now there is such a famine for truthful and sound teaching um, and even sermons in the church at large um, that don't present any practical application. And that's one of the main reasons for my channel is to tell, you know, get good teachers to explain to people how to apply what we learn from the Bible, because just reading it, it's really not enough. We've got to apply it because father said, you know, I place before you blessings and cursings. Well, if you don't know what those blessings and cursings are, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. So if you learn how mm-hmm. to apply the blessings contained in the word that blesses your life. It blesses the people around you. But mm-hmm. uh, there is a, was it Malachi? That says "Um, the famine of the last days will not be for food. It will be for the word of God.
4: Oh, right. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. That one has always struck me very hard. And the other one is, don't go looking for God in Bethel, and I'm going. Oh my goodness, that's a harsh word, you know. Hmm. Hmm. So, yeah, it's it's very important to try and get people back to that. I think while people are starving, I really do. So, this is my people perish for lack of knowledge. Hmm.
2: So. Well, ladies, yep. I have to, I have to apologize. I thought, I figured the show was probably like 30 minutes or an hour, so I didn't plan on um, going beyond that. And I think my wife will want me home for dinner and time with my <laughs> family tonight at a reasonable time. So, I'm gonna have to um, sign off. But maybe I come back on the show at a, a later time or something. I've enjoyed the conversation, and uh, y- you've been great listeners. I appreciate you letting me. Share God's Word. It's one of my passions. So thank you for that, and for having me on the show. It's been been a blessing. So God bless all all three of you.
3: Thank you for what you've written. Yeah, yeah, it's it stirred us. We thank you for for sharing that. Okay, thank you. All right, ladies. Good night. God bless.
1: Have a blessed night. Okay, girls, it's just us now.
3: Is it just us three tonight?
1: Yes, <laughs> <Well, laughs> Roz forgot that there was a show tonight, but she had made other
3: plans, so. yeah, wow. Well, I'll tell her off tomorrow. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Could you
1: do it? She gets upset when I get silent on her, 'cause because I don't dare open my mouth. Well, I forgot. Yeah, I didn't give you enough lead time? Goodness.
3: <laughs> yeah. But we love her anyway. Yeah. No, there's things, there's things always going off that can, that can sidetrack us. I mean, I've got things quiet tonight. Aren't you lucky? (laughs) Not a sound.
4: And and
1: poor Sally has to work for a living,
3: you know, so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I must admit, I mean, I'm I'm struggling at the moment, keeping awake, but uh, I'm managing. I've actually been getting to bed earlier because I've been so busy and I'm having to alternate between being busy and then when um, I'm not very well, you know, I have to catch up afterwards. So um, I'm not up as late uh, as I've normally been. But at least I I got got halfway through the book, um, the PDF is sent. Um, and, you know, uh, so I'll, I'll have to finish that off because I found it very interesting. A lot a, a lot that I read was I was already familiar with, but I, I think it sort of stirs you. It's like when you go over familiar um, scriptures, you know, some, something will pop out that you never saw before. And I think that's mm-hmm. what's happening with Scott's book. It's sort of something, something pops out and you think, oh, yeah. Oh, that's new! I never saw that before. So even if you're familiar with uh, Abraham that it, it 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 does does actually it does actually um, stir you.
1: Yes. Um,
3: yeah. I mean, you know, it's 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 like the word mm-hmm. the, the word is like an onion. Every time you get one one layer off, you'll find another layer underneath. That same, and then another one. It's it's uh it's just amazing. Took me along some some familiar routes and 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 then you know you think oh look there's a pearl, oh look let's shift yeah. this and dig it out. So is there anything the specific
1: segment. we can? Is there anything specific we can pray for you?
3: far. You. Me You uh, <laughs> You think you're not well Well, I'm all right I'd like in the to... <laughs> 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 I just I just keep saying uh, 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 uh you know by your stripes I was healed. I'm not standing for this by stripe I might be like laying up floor, but by stripes I-, I was healed and I'll stay down here until that comes becomes a fact, you know. Apparently, apparently, and I mean, I've never suffered with high blood pressure in my life. It's always been low blood pressure. But I've been having some very funny, very funny, strange turns lately. And it's, it's like some, it's like an attack on the left ear where you knock your balance off. And it's that powerful that it it makes me, it, it knocks me over. And, uh, physically, and I, I feel sick, and then I have to get laid on the floor, and I can't move and I can't get up, and then the cold sweat start, and I lay there and I wait until it passes, till I can actually move, I can't even open my eyes, and all the time I'm thinking, no, I'm not having this, I'm not having this, and then my son called doctor, and of course I had to go to doctors, and they said I'd got very high blood pressure, and it was through the ceiling. Oh, you know, you're dangerously high. You know, you're 30% guaranteed to have a stroke or heart attack. And I says, well, I'm not accepting that. I says, um, I'm sorry. We'll put you on steroids. I says, no, you can keep them. I says, no, I says, no, thank you. I've got natural path. And my natural path is I've I'll, got I'll at word. And the word says, by his stripes, I was healed. So I'm not standing for That's this. That's
1: right. Well, you and, might you uh, might be low on magnesium.
3: Ah. Magnesium.
1: Ah,
3: ah. Yeah, but I mean, I'm covering that. <laughs> I researched it. <laughs> you see this last time it happened, but the other day, um that's when I noticed it was me. And it was the year that I, that when I went when I were eighteen I went to our to join RAF. And um the doctor syringed me, and he burst my eardrum, and ever since then I've had trouble with that ear, and I'm wondering if there's been an, an infection, so I thought, I know what I'm going to take. So I got my colloidal silver out because I can't take antibiotics. I'm allergic to them. So I figured, well, I'll, if I don't get it one way, I'll get it another, but as far as I'm concerned, I'm sticking to what the word says. Jesus is my yeah. healer, by his right? so I was healed, and that's it. I'm not if it's time for me to go on, there's no you can do about it. You know, I'm off. This is true.
1: <laughs> this is true. This is how I feel when they start on me. You know, yeah, um, well, oil of oregano is well, also a good surprised. antibiotic.
3: Yeah. Well, doctors were very surprised. And she looked at me and I says, look, I says, I'm, I'm not afraid. I'm not scared or all like that. Don't worry about me. I said, if somebody wants to come and sit on a chair here and, and, and wait to see doctor, then that's up to them. I says, but I don't like coming down. I don't like coming to doctors. I says I've, I've, I've applied what I've learned for the last 12 years. I said, and you've not seen me. I said, and I've not bothered you. Are. I says, so I don't see why I should start now. By stripes, I were healed. I don't care how many times it comes back I'll still declare the same I decree it and I declare it over my body and I'll say to my body you must come into line and it doesn't matter what it is by his stripes I was healed and that word will perform and it will not return to God void so really I just want one thing I would like I'd like to get my voice back for singing. (laughs) That is something (laughs) I've always prayed about because I used to be a top soprano. I'm somewhere down with bass, I think now. And, um, you know, I I can't sing like I used to do. That's the only thing I'd say, Lord, give me back my voice. That's not much to ask for. I think it's everything. I think it's absolutely everything to me. When I uh, when I uh, wonderful singing and I used to be able to I used to sing along with we um I, when I got the record on that this, um Barbara Streisand I used to sing along with her and, and I used to hit the notes. And I mean I look back now and I think my God and I, I just cry. I just absolutely cry because that that's gone. I'd um uh what's the word I'm looking for now? Anaphylactic shock through an allergy. and nearly died when my son, my youngest son, was nearly two. No, he was he about just over a year old, and the doctors didn't think I was we going to live. And I said, oh, "Well, put my ticket back. It's not my time's not up." But the medication that they put me on ruined my voice, and uh, I'll never forget that. We're well, after. I know that, they that,
1: really think those. Those medications are all that. Yeah. Those things
3: are dangerous. It was a a capsule that actually burst in an inhaler. So you inhaled that. And uh, and then they put me on Ventolin after that. And um, I just kept praying about it. And I've never used an inhaler from that day to this. I have, when when these new colds and flus that you get these days, and I'm, I'm convinced it's with chemtrailing, because when they come cool yes. over, that's when we start with your problems and we chest problems. And uh, I, I got um, uh, one of them that you breathe with, you know, with with misting. I forgot what it's called now. It's late. I mean, nebulizer. That's, that's the word. <laughs> I always,
1: use I, uh, I use Himalayan pink salt in my nebulizer.
3: Yep, yep, I've got that as well. <laughs> I've got a big tub of magnesium. I've got a magnesium spray. I've got them all, you know. <laughs> but um, that's the only time I've done that. That is that is only to assist. Um, it's yep. not to say I'm into it. It's just to assist. But um, as I said, with my voice, that's the only thing I would say, oh, please give me that back. Because when I'm singing, when, I, when I've been playing and singing to him... Um, I just, I just can't get the notes anymore, and you know, I'm up and down, I'm alright if I'm singing spirituals, I'm way down there, you know, you know, swing low sweet chariot and I'm away, I'm gone.
1: <laughs> See, I've never been able to sing, so.
3: Oh, I used to love it, I used to love it. So that's the only prayer, really, please Lord, get in the voice back. <laughs> otherwise I'm okay. blessed I'll be honest. I've never been so happy i never been so content never been so at peace I'm blessed I've stopped worrying about things that don't matter and uh, when I get things that matter I mean I just pray I mean it's my family that bothers me more so I have to keep lifting them up uh, my youngest son you know he's, he was in hospital at Christmas through his heart he had heart attack Christmas day uh they found out his part of his heart muscles died because of an infection. So I would say I, I, I'd like him to be prayed for, Stephen. Um, and uh, he's the prodigal son. So, you know, that's what I'm praying for at the moment. But, you know, the Lord has a way of reaching us that we don't always see the sense of at the time. And where, with, with Stephen, it's, he maketh me to lie down, Psalm 23. You know, I'll say, Lord, that, you can't nail that boy to the floor. Can you have a bird with him? And something will happen, and he's got to stay in one spot. <laughs> and I go, hey, he maketh me to lie down. But he's, he's really, uh, health-wise, he's really going through it, and his wife's, Suffering with fibromyalgia, and she's really not well, Mandy. So they're on the heart more than me. So, you know, I mean, I'm in the I'm Lord's hands. I'm, I'm more concerned for them.
1: Yeah, so it's always the kids keep you on your knees.
3: Yeah. And my lot do. <laughs> Although Paul joins me, I've got to give him his due Because I send I send Paul, you know, the the audio uh, when we've done a show and one or two others that I know that I send them uh send them the copy of the audio so or the link. Yeah, I'm gonna have to
1: go looking for the link. Sorry, I'm in the kitchen and Uh sausage. I made sausage and peppers today, and it's cold, ready to be put away. So,
3: oh, Oh, I can't wander far from this. Uh, I got a new uh, mic stand, one of those professional ones. So that I was I was going to set up upstairs so that I wouldn't disturb dogs, but they're behaving tonight. (laughs) They're being very good. I don't turn around and look at them because I know that will set them off. <laughs> yes,
1: it will. My cats have been quiet too. They're oh, all nothing. I'm,
3: I always know when these when I go to bed because uh, they're all in a crating room here. And when I go to bed, I know if they start, I know cats being in tormenting them because she walks in and says, no, 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 no. I pray you're not, you know, and it drives them wild. So, how are you, Sally?
1: Oh, Sally dropped. So no, oh. it's just us two. Oh, I okay. fair. I'm, I'm,
3: I'm <clears throat> getting ready. I'm getting ready. Uh, I haven't done them MP3s for a long time. You know, no, you have today well i've been getting i'm I'm still trying to work that audacity program out you know it's uh i don't know whether my brain's coming to a standstill or what but <laughs> I've forgotten how to do it <laughs> but i've got I've got some notes and that you know and i'm I'm going to talk about seed um because I think that's important you know um because every child is born with a seed of faith and it depends on what 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 happens with that seed now? It's watered now. It's uh, nurtured as to what it brings forth. That's and true. I, I, and I've put down, this is the only notes I've put down so far, so I've got a long way to go. And uh, according to Genesis, God created seed, and it would create what, after its own kind. So we've got to be very careful what seeds we sow. and am Yes.
1: Yes. I am sorry, Hi, Sally. Ross,
0: Yes, how was I? Do- Hi, Dorothy. I'm sorry. Uh, you asked how I was doing, and I had the phone on mute because I was moving around. I heard you talking about being in the kitchen, Dorothy. So I just moved my phone on mute. But uh, I'm I'm doing fine. But I'm sorry. You can go ahead. You were talking about the seeds seeds and you know. Yeah. You so, yeah.
3: It's just that I used to do a thought for today, uh, an mp3, you know. It um, weren't very long because I, I, I couldn't time it well. <laughs> um, and that's why I'm not really started the show. Because it it's the timing, you've got to get the timing right. And um, it was just that that popped in my mind, seed. And it, every in Genesis, God said he created. He said that every seed after its own kind... An apple Mm -hmm. can't bring forth an orange tree. You know, no more than a gorilla can bring forth a man. It just makes me laugh that, you know, that we we descended from apes. No, not according to what Genesis says. It came after its own kind. And I thought, oh, you know, know
1: I'll write that down. Yeah, write that down so you don't forget. I'm looking forward to get putting those up because I, I, you know, I miss them. Yeah. But, um, you know, all this foo for about Judge Kavanaugh over here this week. Um, I was really touched by the little his little girl that said we should pray for the woman. I thought that was so telling about that family, you know?
3: After the mouths of babes. It's so true. Yeah As I know
1: I mean you could tell by that woman's testimony she was not well.
3: So I've been getting I've been getting emails about it but, you know, I, I've just not really followed it. <laughs> I've just thought here we go again, you know. <laughs> Everybody's having a go and everybody's calling him. So obviously they want him out of the way, and it's obvious for what reason. So I'm yep. sort of. I mean, we've got our we've got our own ample here. <laughs> Excuse me. Yes, you do. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Um. I mean, the limits that we're be, that's we're that been pouring us over here, it's unbelievable. And a lot of people, I, I look out and I think, well, you know, and your family's included, where they just say, where's all that coming from? You know, what you're talking about? So, you know, if you're going to go around with your eyes closed and refusing to listen and, and, and be alert, then when it hits you, you'll know about it. And I've had this I've had this impression for a long time. One of the reasons, and it's because it, I've often wondered why the Lord's pulled me on one side for such a long time. And I felt that, um, you know, I've been pushed out into the wilderness and not been allowed to go anywhere. Um, why? You know, and I thought, well, I've got to a stage now where I'm too old to be any use. But being being used on this avenue through internet, um, you know, that that's great. That's why I've not put a lot of these MP3s out because I want to make sure it's of the Lord. You know what I mean? And then if it's of I the Lord it. and it's what's on his heart, it'll make an yep. imp- it'll make a, an impact. And um but I I have lately I felt that it's like the Lord saying, Yeah, but I've put you aside to prepare you because soon people are going to come to you asking questions and you're going to have the answers and they know that to come to you. Well this has happened before to me so I'd forgotten about that where people would come up to me and ask me questions Um, many many years ago. I mean I, I just minded my own business and went to church and come back and you know, I I, I was quick to, to speak out when the opportunities arose. And then that's when the Lord said to me, you know, be quiet. And, and you know, watch and learn. And um, so I, I, I stopped, you know, um, getting them as I went to hang the washing out, so to speak. And they were coming to me the people will come in to me and say you know I've noticed you and your family you go to church and well I'm not religious you know and I, I, I don't like religion and all that but I've got questions and they're always surprised when they said you know God hates religion what they don't expect that but he does <laughs> you know yes, what he does. they're all ears yeah they're all ears then so no as he's after a relationship not religion I said, it's religion that puts on you burdens that you can't keep. I said, why do you think Mm -hmm. people went nuts with them? Because the religious leaders were putting burdens on the people that they couldn't carry, that God never intended. Oh, right. What do you mean by that? And this person told me about her background, and, and I said, well, no wonder you don't want nothing to do with it. I says, but you see, you're looking at God and blaming Him, and not looking at the people. You know that. I says, if your kids do wrong, even though you taught them the right way, do you want them to blame you for them? And he said, she said, no. I says, well, that's what you're doing. You're blaming God. I says, none of his kids are perfect. I says, none of none of his kids are are going to get things right don't forget there are some that are saying that they belong to God but they don't you know I mean again Jesus said the same he talks about that about being they're supposed to be representing God (coughs) but they like the position rather than, than than the relation with God they like the positions of power and God makes them differences. And, and that's where I felt when the Lord was saying to me that it's not going to be much longer now but people are going to come to us they're going to come to us for prayer they're going to come to us for advice they're going to come to us for direction I've only got one direction to point them to and that's, that's, that's to God you know, through Jesus and all I could do is share how he got me and, and how he got my attention and and what happened? What happened with me? Um, I mean, I believed in God, and and I always talked to him. I always prayed to him all my life. I don't know when it started or how, but I always did. And then one day it got me attention. When I was thirty-three, and uh, but of course, you know, you, you you go through all the, you go through all the initial steps. And you become religious. You become oh, is there a word like it? Sort of. You go along the religious w- route. I nearly said religiousize, but <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um. Um. And then God has to knock all that all that out, like it did with 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 Paul, like I was saying earlier, where it says you've got all that, but it don't make no difference. You know, you're not you're not. Um, that's not what I want. It do not mean to say that that knowledge that you learned, um, it can't use it. But what it does, it shows you what you're relying upon. It knocks them pillars out from under you. And, um, and it shows you the truth. But he says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And it does. It sets you free from religiosity. It sets you free from... um Fears, because when he says do not, he says do not fear or fear not, and it's so that it, we can walk with confidence with God. We can we can come before Him with boldness. with, with great confidence, knowing that he, he hears us and He listens. And if He hears us and He listens, and we we get to know Him more, we get to know His heart. Therefore, we start praying according to what's on His heart. And what we know he would approve of, because we've developed a heart like his that we can pray according to his will and see answers to prayer, just like that child did God hates he hates the the, the uh, sin and he hates wickedness, but he's, he, he, he grieves he he grieves he do, he's not willing that any should perish, But that all should come to repentance. And and he, he doesn't he doesn't take joy, he doesn't take pleasure in the death of the wicked. And when 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 um Scott said that, the first thing that came to my mind was because we're not fighting against flesh and blood. And these people are led astray by, yes, wicked they people, are. by demonic influences. And and that's where we should pray. And that's where our strength is. Not in what we can do, but what God can do. And what God can do through us. And all we have to do is be a willing channel to pray. And be a willing channel if he says, Right, I want you to go and touch that person. Or I want you to go and be nice to that person. Or or whatever he says. It could be something so simple. But he is preparing us. He's preparing us. I'm convinced of that. And, that's, and it's going to come soon. And I think the more we see that's happening in the world, uh, I mean, the more I read, I get a lot of stuff sent to me, and the more I read and the more I see, the more I'm saying, oh, Lord, let's go home. Let's get away from this. But it, it's like he yeah. said, no, you've still, you're still got work to do. There's still yeah, source, the harvest is save. coming, it, it's, yeah, And
1: I'll tell you, those, those people, when they co- were calling the confirmation vote for Kavanaugh, there were people yeah. in the gallery that were screaming. Yeah. And it sounded demonic. It really did. Yeah. And, and I yeah, really like that, that Pence, Vice President Pence, kept saying, the sergeant of arms... Will, you know, get control over the gallery. Will yeah. restore peace to the gallery. Whatever he said, and I felt it yeah. felt like a declaration, yeah. you know, from heaven itself. So, it was really interesting to watch. I, yeah. I don't know what to make of these poor leftists who don't want to study or do their due diligence. They just want to, you know. Scream and carry right. on and tell lies yeah. about people and it's it's awful. I mean, I grew up when they, you know, as part of growing up, you would say, "Well, why, mom? Why can't I do that?" And she say, "Well, it's
3: just not done." And that was yeah. enough for me. <laughs> you yeah, can't say that different... to
1: people anymore.
3: No, it's different today. It's totally different. You see that because they've got into schools, they got into education. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, um, and and then it, you know got into politics, but this is this is what happens when the church sits back. The church has been diverted, in 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 respect of um, it's been infiltrated, because it's not been obedient. The church is as 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 just as much to blame as, yes, as it as, is. As politicians and as as these. Uh, wicked leaders the churches as much, they've been sat back and they've been sat on sat on the backsides and done nothing they've not been obedient and you know the God says he will judge his own house first and it depends on whether they because he did say it does say that there'll be um, a falling away a great falling away and that's what's happened in church where they've been diverted because they've been careless. They, it's all about worship. It's all about pure filling It's all about entertainment in church. I mean, There's
1: no solid teaching in any of the churches anymore that I can find. Well, maybe no. in Scott's church.
3: But that's why we have to where, I up. glean where I can. Yeah, I glean where I can. I mean, I don't know any around here but where I am. I don't know any round here now that's um that's that the the free ones, um, as far as I've seen, have turned to um the Hope Churches. Well, if you've read up on the Hope Church in, in, in uh Ilsong, that's where it all stems from. And what they're doing. Um I mean, I haven't had anything where the Lord said I want you to go here and he's very definite when he when he sends me somewhere and that's why i moved a lot of it years because he initially um he gave me um i think it was nehemiah, nehemiah who went round the walls of jerusalem when the when the walls of jerusalem were, were broken down and um it went by night and uh, the king allowed him to go because they were in, bond, they were in um, captivity at the time the king allowed him to go and uh, he went round checking all the gates and and the walls and that and the lord told him to tell no man what he was doing and that's what the lord told me to do many years ago that's what he set me on so he sent me from one place to another place to another place because i didn't care what it said of that do it. and uh, i said as long as truth to talk but he sent me from one place to another place to another place to another place and I've seen the changes and I've I've listened and I've watched and I've prayed and I've wept over them and some have been closed down and some have reopened and, and some were, where the building's just not there anymore. And and they're scattered and it's given me words to speak while I've been in them places and one of them one of the local ones, um, uh, the word he gave me there was, I'm not going to send my lambs to be um, attacked by the sheep. And uh, a few years later, I mean, I knew a lot of people in there, and some of them, um, when I see them, you know, they'll say, oh, they're a place to see me, you know. And uh, the others, I get some really nasty words from them and um, but I, that building was actually knocked down and they were meeting in odd buildings there and there and you know quite a few not only left but quite a few were taken you know they passed on and um, the last one that I was at was um, not very far from here and the Lord led me to that and I didn't know, but the guy that were in there had been praying for help, and the Lord led me there, and I were there for a while, and the Lord showed me what were happening in there, and it were the older ones that refused to allow any newcomers coming in, and He gave them a warning. Now that place has been, um, it don't it don't it don't exist anymore. It's been knocked down, and it were an old building it was an old Methodist church and it makes me so sad to see these things happening but you see that's God going round he's in the churches I I tell you now with all all absolute conviction and and, and I know he is he's in the churches and he's watching and he's listening and he knows you might not see him but he's there I've seen him He took me to front on stage and he said, tell me, Pam, whose faces do they see? And in one particular place, I looked and he just pointed out to everybody. He says, whose faces do they they see? And I I looked at him and I looked back at him and I said, hell song, Lord. And I've never seen such a, a sad face that he had that day. He told me to take my sandals off and sh- sh- shake the dust from my feet. I'll be invited back several times and I dare go in. after the I can't. Not unless I get permission. And I dare go in. I don't. I know,
1: so you had like uh, when Jeremiah was shown. I'm sorry, I, Sally's gone. It's just you and I. Oh. So. <laughs> Good night, Sally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing with my phone because she sent me a message. Okay. Uh-oh. Um. You know when when Jeremiah was being shown, and I brought this up on Jameer's show the other night because he was talking about Halloween mm-hmm. and. And so you look where Jeremiah was shown what the ch- his his church it was synagogue or whatever was doing yeah. you know and it addresses even things like sunrise service and hot cross buns and you go good grief Charlie Brown how much stuff has infiltrated the churches and it's just not pagan rituals it's satanic because. Those old yeah. gods were real. I mean, not the yeah. things they carved out, but they were real. You know.
3: Yeah. they real. So, yeah. People don't, people don't think. I had a conversation many years ago with somebody when I worked in a shop. Um, and somehow or other, I don't know if I do it on purpose or if it just happens, but I end up on spiritual matters. And were talking about, you know, uh, demonic activity, demons are real. Oh, come on, you know, are they? I said, yes they are. I says you can see, you can't, you can't see the wind, but you can feel the effects. You can't see the demons, but you can see and you can feel the effects. And you've only got to look around you to see and feel the effects. Nobody could deny that what's happening in the world today, with all the wickedness that's going on, all the madness, the insanity that's going on, that wouldn't have even been thought about at one time, that is demonic activity. That is, is, and it's, it's rife. It's rife. And the ones that are blinded by saying, you know, oh, well, it's all rubbish. Is it? Is it really? But until you know the nature of what demons are, it's the opposite of God. But you know, if people would really examine their own hearts, if they want peace and they want love, they don't go down the path where the demons are. You can only get that from God.
1: Yep. It's so sad to see... It's it's like, yes, I know the darkness is coming for the world, and, and I know, you know, Father is still going to be there, and, and there will be light yeah. among the darkness. But to see the effect it has on these people is heartbreaking, you know? Yeah. You have people calling for the assassination of justices of the Supreme Court, somebody, some teacher of all things. Yep. He called for the assassination of of Kavanaugh, and I'm going. What is wrong with these people? Well, demons is what's wrong with these people. They're under the yeah. influence. And, and and hello. Yep, I'm here. I'm just
3: ah. I thought you'd done Exasperated. It.
1: <laughs> I'm exasperated because, you know, it's just not right, you know, because you know these people don't have any real peace if they're demonically influenced,
4: you know, you know,
1: they're, they're being, um, what do they call them, tormentors, they're being tormented,
3: yeah, Makes you wonder, because, I mean, it must have been worse than this in Noah's day for God to flood the earth. When you think about it. When you think about what was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Now the word now the more I read, the more I read in Old Testament and you see the effects then, because one of the things that I was surprised at when I first started reading Old Testament was when I read about where where God says, you know, you, you, you kill killing all oh, man, woman, child, beast. And I thought, oh, that's a bit strong. You know, I mean, I carried on reading. I can't remember where it was. I don't know whether it was the Amalekites, but they they were told to kill them. And I couldn't figure out why. I mean, I've learnt since why. um Because they worshipped other gods. They worshipped demonic entities. And they became violent. They became um, uh, evil, you know. Evil. I mean, man. What they say, man's he art. He gave them up to rep-
1: reprobate minds.
3: No, this is when 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 the the Israelites were going into promised land. But what people don't realize is is that. These people were were um, genetically changed.
1: Modified. Genetically modified people they were. Plus we had the Nephilim in, in
3: there. Exactly. Now people say, well, oh, don't be silly. But they were. There were giants in those days and still are. There were giants in yep. those days. And Jericho was one of the cities where the giants lived, and you've got Ogre Baysham, now, people say, oh, what a load of rubbish, I'm sorry, but you know, they've dug up giants, they've dug up the skeletons of giants, that DNA is still going round, that is still happening today, and if they want to know the truth, they will look for it, um, I mean it's not something I went looking for, but the Lord says if you want to know the truth, the truth will set you free. You if, you know, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And sometimes he will put it in front of us whether we want it or not. And um I mean I weep for children, I weep for the children me because it just leaves you speechless with what you what you what you discover. What's happening to these yeah. children? Um, yes. There's not a sound, not a word being said about what's happening to homeless. There's not a word being said of what's been happening to survivors of hurricanes and earthquakes. Not a word. Have you noticed that? Yes. Yeah. Not a word. And, um, but what, what I. I, I just say, you know, Lord, you, you you're not missing any of this—not one iota of what's happening, not one iota. And if anybody don't understand, uh, and they say, "Well, how can we know that is 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 aware of all this?" Read Psalm two, where the problem lies. Read Psalm two, the kings of the earth, the kings of the earth, the rulers. Ah, uh, they're plotting. And he says, but the Lord holds them in derision. And their, their, their time is coming, and I'll tell you, it's coming very quickly for him." He said, he, he's... I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. I really wouldn't. And I mean, I, I, <coughs> there's times when I've got I really angry what I've read or what I've seen, and I thought, there's no way... That, and I know that's been righteous anger. I know that's been of the Lord because if I get angry about it, if I get upset about it, then I'm in tune with the Lord because his heart must be absolutely fuming. And you think, well, why don't you do something, Lord? It's because it's being merciful so that more people can be saved before he must step in. And that time is very short before he must Step in, and um, people are, not, are going to wonder what's hit him when he does. They are going to wonder what's hit him. They're going to wish that the that they'd the kiss the son now. They're going to wish they'd kiss the son now again. That's in Psalms, in Old Testament. You've got to know. You've got to know Old Testament. Kiss the son. Yep. Did you did you see that about that mist on on um, Temple Mount that suddenly rose up? Yeah, I did. I wasn't
1: quite sure what to make of that. Um, it's a mountain that's thought, gonna have mist occasionally, you know? <laughs> so I don't, you know necessarily... you
3: know, I don't know that it's
1: necessarily
3: Pardon? it just rose up out of nowhere as they were worshipping on hill above, um, uh, opposite over at Kidron Valley. I think there are mounts, Mount of Olives, facing that way. And they were worshipping, all the men were worshipping and praying. And as this guy was scanning camera around across valley, he noticed this mist suddenly start rising up. Uh, it was like on Temple Mount, but just below it, you know uh, I thought it was quite odd, but I mean the lord's, lords showed quite a few uh quite a few um miracles over there, like the dust storm when they were set, when the Palestinians were sending all those all those fire things over, and then this dust storm came out of nowhere, and they couldn't see anything. Um, there's been reports where the last time they had uh, they had uh, rockets firing into in, into uh, Israel, where one Palestinian saw one rocket, and it, it it was it was absolutely. I wish I don't know if I kept it on one of my old computers, but he, he, he couldn't believe what he was seeing. They fired the rocket to go into Israel, into Jerusalem, and in midair the rocket stopped and turned in midair, God is at work, and God is very much, he knows what's going on. He sees it all. And my prayer for anybody yeah, who doesn't know the Lord to we, get him to, calling him while this still time. Yes,
1: we only, the little bit we see and how proclaimed we get. I mean, I've had that discussion with him before. I said, I'm only seeing this little bit. You see it all, you know, because... Yeah. Sometimes I just tell him, I am so sorry this is going on. I am so sorry.
3: (laughs) Yeah. See, it's true what the scripture said, that the, the heart of man is desperately wicked. But pride is what stops someone from from saying, you know, from seeing that, but the heart is wickedly, des- uh, it's evil and it's it's desperately wicked and deceitful, that's it, deceitful, you can kid yourself all you want and, and you can con yourself all you want, but when God points something out, you, you can't deny it, because he makes it obvious. I was reading about the you know the the um, the ten commandments and the law as 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 they call it they were they were given uh, I mean I was discussing this other day with with, with someone yeah and uh, I said you know the ten commandments if you brought one you brought the lot right I said you can't keep them I said but they're not there we we wouldn't know right from wrong unless the Ten Commandments told us so. What, we, what did we base our law on? The Ten Commandments. What's being twisted? Our laws. And why is it being twisted? Hmm? And you know the difference between what's twisted and what's, what's right? The Ten Commandments. You know what's right. Everybody knows what's right and what's wrong in their heart, but they're not willing to acknowledge it. And they'll excuse it, they'll they'll deny it, that their heart convicts them. And you can't run away from that. You can't run away from that, because sooner or later you're going to you're gonna face up to it one day, you know, and it's going to hit you in the face, and you're going to say, I ran away from that. You're going to like the prodigal son that one day, you're going to say, you know, we're better off before. And I think a lot of these people that are doing that screaming, one of these days they're going to be saying, what am I doing? This is wrong.
1: That's what I'm praying for, is that their eyes get open, but...
3: Only God can do it, and with there's the- nothing possible with God. That's what I always say, Lord. Well, nothing's impossible with you. Nothing is too difficult for you. And God asks that question many times. Is anything too difficult for me? No. It doesn't make sense to argue that point, really, to me. I mean, he created heaven and earth and everything in it. He? he created us. So is anything too difficult for him? No. <laughs> That's what gives me the confidence in my prayers. Nothing's too difficult for the Lord. Nothing. Where we find the difficulty is when we try to work out what he's going to do and when and how. That's when we start faltering. Because our minds start getting getting in there, and and interfering. And, but he does it in his own time, in his own way. If he wants to walk on water, he can jolly well walk on water. He created it. I think we're lucky to know him. I think we're blessed. Oh, absolutely. I I think it's marvellous that he still wants us. I think it's amazing that he wants to reach out to us and anybody listening. It's a wonderful thing when the when God, who created all things, wants to reach out and wants to, to draw you into his into his family and into his into his presence. I think it's an amazing thing. I mean I like a lot like of sci fi programmes for me. I love watching Star Trek and things like that. And um you know, I, I just said, you know, it'd be nice to be able to fly around and see the universe and all that, although I'm not quite too keen on some creatures they have on some of these sci-fis. But the beauty of his creation, the detail of his creation, the, the perfect balance, whether it's out in space or whether it's here on Earth. I mean, I cry for damage done to earth because God created it, and it's beautiful. And what's man doing? What's the demons doing through men? Destroying. And what they're doing with all these chemicals and that. It's destroying it's destroying human life. It's 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 twisting it, creating. I watched some operations about some conjoined twins and 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 children that were were born with 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 only part of a brain and things like that. And I thought, you know, Lord, you didn't do anything of this. You did none of this. But it's the poisons that have done all this, that's done all this. Um, yes, it is. It is. It's stupid. the poisons. It's the, the pesticides, the chemtrails. Um, it, it, it's It's the secret. It's the secret of... of of uh, biological warfare as well. Yes. We know it's going on. It's been going on for donkey's years. We know it has. When the, when these people create these and make superbugs and all the rest of it and release it into the general public to see what happens without telling the general public, and then we see all this. I remember watching a programme, because uh, I like... Um, Stargate and on one at series start on Stargate Um, they've got to a stage where the, the, they've welcomed this race and this race has shared their technology with them as long as it can share their world they shared their technology with them and I'll tell you what today it speaks so loud and Sam um, who oh, was one of the 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 Stargate team she uh, she was getting married and they were wanting children and she found out she couldn't have children and what happened was the injections that she'd been given against some foreseeable illness to keep keep her health going turned her sterile and so she couldn't ever have children and um, <clears throat> When she went to see about it, to see if she could have it reversed, it was irreversible. And it turned out that these aliens had got time in their hand, and they were willing to wait until there were no more procreation by humans. And one of the injections that's going round is supposed to stop teenagers from getting cervical cancer. But what it does, and it's quite a few other things that does it, it also stops them from being able to bear children. And yep. they've already got, there's a, they've there, already there, got it out Yeah, there's so, it. Many,
1: there's so many endocrine disruptors in the food source, the food line exactly. now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we went out. We, I just got a new grandbaby uh, mm-hmm. through the foster care system.
3: So thank you. i that to Scott, actually, as well. <laughs>
1: Uh, but we went right. I said, Harold, we need to find some glass bottles. You can't be feeding mm. this baby out of plastic bottles. It's
3: just no, you know, no good. Yeah. So you have to be so careful, but prayer—that's all you can do—is cover them with prayer, cover them with blood, cover them with prayer. I mean, I pray over yep. my food. I ask the Lord's blessing on my food because even in foods. And I just have, I just remember the large words, you know, if you should drink poison, it'll not, it'll not harm you. And the uh, Apostle Paul, the reality of that is the Apostle Paul, when when they the landed on that island just off Malta, and it was full of snakes, and uh, he put a sticky fire, and uh, a snake fastened to him and bit him. Well, the locals knew that were it, his time were up. Because they were used to it, seeing all that. And yet not nothing happened to Paul. Because that scripture w- was true, the Lord said. And I know somebody who actually drank poison. And she survived. She'd got she was suffering with uh, some um some mental illness, but she actually she didn't want to live anymore and she drank poison. And uh, but she survived. And I says, Well, she says, Pam, what happened? She was in our house group um, I mean she's gone on to be with the Lord now but um many years later. And she says, What happened? I don't I don't remember doing it, I really don't remember doing it. I remember being really down and uh and I 'cause she went uh psychiatric ward for a long time after that. And I said, Well, Jean, I said, You know, um, you know, the the Lord says that, you know, you shall drink poison and it'll not harm you and that's why I pray over my food. and I pray that blessing on my foods. The word of the Lord not return to him void. But we have to. That's why I've been
1: praying with the, with the drugs that that, you know, the kid's mm. adopted mother, is is you know she's giving them vaccines and and. Now they've decided Jonathan is autistic. Do You know you can be diagnosed as autistic with no symptoms. Anyway,
0: yeah, uh, they've
1: got him on Zoloft and something else, and I'm just praying that it it just neutralizes itself. That once it hits the
3: body, it turns to water or something. Mm. From what I can understand of uh, autism, it's the body cannot get rid of the aluminium. Mercury in its brain right. in the brain. It can't pass it pass it out. Um as far as I understand it. But I mean we've got we've we have our we've got our aluminium in uh, particles, nanoparticles being dropped on our heads every day. We've yep. you know, we've got smart dust and all that being dropped on us. We've got stuff that 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 fills your chest that's sticky makes your chest sticky so that you've got a cold that will go on and on and on and on. Because it makes you, it feel—it—it it, it does your sinuses, your ears and your chest and everything. This is biological warfare. It's demonic. Yes, it is. There
1: are some things that can get the aluminum out and the glyphosate.
3: Yeah, yeah. But not everybody um, what's is willing that? to listen to you to do it.
1: No, nobody's willing to listen. I've been putting, I've been making bone broth for the kids, and cilantro is good for getting aluminum out. So every time I yeah. make bone broth, I put cilantro in it. And then I found some stuff that uh it, there's a book, Healing Autism, that actually draws the mm. glyphosate out. So I bought some of that. I put that in the bone broth, you know. Yeah. So. Well, I've I, got everything I. I've, Everything I can put in there.
3: Yeah. Well, I've got five grandsons that's got different forms of autism.
1: And well, get this stuff. I'll send them. you the link from... Uh,
3: I'll send you the link. One of them's 20. We're 20 yesterday. Uh, no. Oh. oh what, there we are. 20 on Monday. Yeah, Monday. We're 20 years old. And he were really bad. He was really bad. And I started praying for him. And um, I mean, he's he's not fully uh, normal, but compared to where he used to be, after praying for him, you know, there was a big improvement with him. But you see, I, I've not been able to see him a lot, and uh, so I didn't have a lot to do with him. I mean, it's it's great to have a chat a chat with. I mean, he's it, he's so open, and he's so gentle. He's a gentle giant because he's six foot plus. You know, and he's a big lad. Wow. I mean I mean when I when I used to carry him round, I said, My God, this kid's got lead in his pants, he's so heavy. You know. You couldn't hold him for long, he was really heavy. And um but now he's he's six foot plus and he's a really big lad. He's bigger than his dad, a lot bigger, he's a lot broader. Um But I, I well the first time I went I went to see went up to my son's and I saw him and uh, the first time he spoke to me, he never recognised me before, there was no connection, and he came up to me, and he held my face, and he looked at me, and he says, it's Nanam. Well, I just went to pieces, me. I just cried my <laughs> eyes out. You know, I, and I knew prayer had made a difference. I knew it had. And um, it's... Um... If you look at the the, the the example that Jesus gives, when he's praying for somebody, he speaks to what's behind the problem. He don't speak to the problem itself. He speaks to what's behind it. Um, and sometimes, like he said to disciples, you know, when 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 the when the guy took his, his son to Jesus and he says. You know, demons keep chucking him into fire and that. And, you know, and yeah, I went to your disciples um, and, and they couldn't do no. And, this, and he just... I think it was a deaf and dumb spirit because I think that the, the, the boy was having fits. So it was like a deaf and dumb spirit and it kept throwing him into fire. And from that moment on, the boy was healed. And the disciples came up to Jesus afterwards and said, well, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus said, because this kind cometh not out, but by prayer and fasting. So right. sometimes, when when we're coming up against something and nothing's happening, perhaps that's the time when we should be praying and fasting. Until we get the, the, the direction that we need. The, the instruction that we need. And when it comes, and I, I do speak from experience, when it comes, you get the power and authority behind it it's not that you can it's not that you can actually uh, generate it, but it comes boom <clears throat> you know i, I mean i one, one of women um in in an house group I used to have i mean I used to just say, oh you know lord you're in charge of this group. I used to be sat corner praying while everybody sort of greeted one another and said hello and everything now we sat in corner praying in tongues and and asking the lord for you know that he would take control of this this was his group and what did he want happening and you know he's handing it over to him and asking the holy spirit to control it and guide us and this particular day this woman and one, one women that came up she came over to me and she says the Lord just asked me to come and ask you to pray for me because my eyes are bad. So I said, "Oh, all right." I thought, well, I've just asked the Lord what does He wants to do. She said the Lord told us, so I just said, "Right, Lord, what do I do?" And He showed me what to do, and He just said, "Command her eyes to be healed in Jesus' name." And as I did, as I did that, I, I didn't touch her. I didn't touch her at all. It just showed me to put my hands out and, and, and command her eyes to be healed in Jesus' name. And as I did that, I felt an elect, like an electric shock straight through my arm, shoot down towards her. It knocked me back into the chair at one side of the room, and she shot it back at Sophie at the other side of the room. I didn't generate that. And then she stood up. You can to see clearly.
1: The, the power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in us because he's
3: in yeah. us So that's it, yeah the Holy Spirit so if yep. we're willing to be obedient and if we're willing to lay down our understanding and lay down our pride and say Lord I don't know how to do this I don't know what you want me to do but I'm willing to be a channel we can only a lamp can only light up as long as there's a bulb there and you plug it in and you switch it on Now, it won't light up if you don't plug it in. You've got to plug into the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the power. You don't know how electric works, but you know that you can see the effect of it. But if you're not plugging into power, you're not going to see anything. It's not going to light up. You're not going to see anything. You must plug into that power. And then the only way to do that is to give him the, be that willing channel for him to, to work through. In other words, you've got to back off out of the way and allow him to work through. A lot of times we hinder the Holy Spirit from doing his work, from doing God's work, and that's all God says. Allow me, allow me, submit. Jesus made himself of nothing so that God could work through him. And it's more as he stood back and allowed God to work through him that power were given. He became a man and he became weak like we are to set the example and he also became a man and became weak like we are to understand the way we struggle. To understand our limitations because a God in heaven can't understand the limitations he's placed on his own unless he comes down and experiences it for himself. And that's what he did. He made himself of no reputation. And it... he just stood back and he allowed the fathers to work through him. The more you, the more you sit back and and the more you see it and the more you understand and just let him do it, the more miracles you're going to see. It it should be a normal thing, everyday thing. Um, for for Christians, it, it shouldn't be a surprising thing it wasn't a surprising thing for Jesus because he'd seen it with the Father he said I don't say anything unless the Father gives me to say I don't do anything unless I first see the Father do it that's where the secret is it's, the, it's, it's in the prayer it's in, it's in the prayer room it's in the submission it's in the obedience and if the church is walking in disobedience you're not going to see miracles No. And neither can you force them. Neither can you go out and be a pretender. Because there are plenty of pretenders out there. There are plenty of pretenders out there. And there are them who are trying to buy that power. And what happened to Simon? Was it Simon the Sorcerer? When he saw the apostles? Simon the Sorcerer, yeah. What what happened to him? What happened to him? The demons attacked him. And I believe that's what's happened to a lot of them that's 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 gone out and tried to buy. They said, Oh I'll I'll you know, I'll do that. I'll do that. I want some of that. And the demons have attacked them.
1: It'd be nice if we could just hug it into them. Wouldn't it be nice if we could (laughs) just Oh and hug these poor people.
3: The thing is, though, as well, what we've got to realise, as well, is that we have to be very careful who we lay hands on. That's something else that's not, um, that's not, that's that's not. Uh, I've got to look in the scriptures to find out what there is, where there is, but too quick to lay hands on people. You know what I mean? Because right. there's a transference. There's a transference. If the Lord says, put your hands on, then fine. But unless he says so, you don't touch. Because there can be a transference. And I think that's what's happening a lot. Um, I mean, these Kundalini spirits that's going to churches. You know, and people are saying, well, what's that? Well, look it up. I'm not going to sit here and explain it. Look it up. If you want to understand where it is. But it There's a new book out on the There's
1: There's a new book out Derek Gilbert just did an interview with the author on mm. um, the new age things. I did share that on my my pages, um, mm. but it's and he, they address the Kundalini spirit today, and uh, yeah, it's it, it, it's quite frightening, really. You know, unless you, I mean, Christ gives us grace to to deal with it, but. These these
3: demons are just so sneaky. They're well, yeah,
1: sneaky people.
3: They've been at it long enough, haven't they? They've been at it longer than we have. Yep. And that's why it says walk circumspectly because the times are evil. Evil. We, we the, c- circumspectly it's with caution, being careful. Yep. It's like saying that. I re- well, I can't remember where, it, where I read it, but like two people walking down this street, and one guy's walking circumspectly, and he sees he sees this manhole uh cover removed, and he walks around that hole the other boy, the, the, the other guy doesn't take any notice and he drops in it. He went walking circumspectly, and that's what we often do if we're not keeping an eye out and being careful. Not in the not in the details. <laughs> we can drop ourselves in it. Yep. Oh, the
1: dogs are awake. <laughs> um, well,
3: but we should topic. probably
1: wrap this up. We should probably yeah, wrap this up.
3: Yeah. We don't want to bore people today.
1: <laughs> no. No. But I do enjoy our shows that we have where we just, you know, we fellowship and we chew on the words and,
3: yeah, you know, get yeah.
1: perspective from each other. I love this. I, yeah. I, I've got to get better at, do, you know, scheduling shows. I think we'll start do, trying to do that second and fourth Tuesday since mm. Jerry has the first and third. So. Yeah.
3: Well, as soon as I have done any, uh, you know, when I start doing the MP3s, I'll I'll send them yeah. But as I said, okay, I don't want I don't want to send them out unless I know that it's something from the Lord's art and it's and it's got it because his timing is is perfect and 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 I want to know what's on his art to share. And sometimes, like when when I were asked to uh, give a word uh, at at a church once, I'd never I'd never preached a word in my life. And I mean I used to be terrified at school. But I says, Well Lord, if you want me to go, I'll go. But what do you want? What what's I want to know what's on your heart? And i have got three weeks. He told me just as I was going out the door. What he wanted me <laughs> to, to speak. That's how it was. He talked I'm thinking, oh my God, I ain't got a word, Lord, I ain't got a word, Lord. You ain't not give me a word, Lord. What do I talk about, Lord? What's on your heart, Lord? You know three weeks. And he organized it. He even organized me to, to borrow a car. And because um, my ex come and sat with kids and, and he let me have me, our car. And um, I drove down and he just gave it me just as I went out at door, And it was about the storm on the Sea of Galilee. And he had to give me the points that 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 he'd got on his heart, he even gave me the songs, and you know, I went, and I was, I was, my knees were knocking, you know, I was like Paul, you know, the Apostle Paul, when he first started, my knees were knocking, I didn't come to you, with great, with great bravado, I came to you, fear, with fear and trembling, and, uh, of course, I'm one of these, that when he gives me a word, I want to get it out, and get it over in, and run, <laughs> you know, and, um, so I'd got the songs in my heart, and I'd got the word, and I wanted to share it straight off. And I said, well, I've got a song, and I want to share it. And, and they all looked at me, you know, because it was just a group of, of women. And uh, they all looked at me, and I said, i was just sing it, and off I went. And they just, it was like I did alt-service for them, and then, boom, you know, I <laughs> said, so you chew on that. <laughs> and they actually come up to me afterwards and the woman that told me off for of speaking out too quickly and I didn't know where to put my face uh, the word was actually for her and um, True. True. she just she just sat there and a jaw dropped and the woman that was going to play piano for everybody to have a sing song, she said they were songs I had and that spoke to me, bless me but no, it, it it sometimes leaves it to last minute just before you go out. You can so you can never set it when my idea was something I thought, no, I didn't know until I'm going out to do it. <laughs> And the church we only about five minutes away, you know, by car. We're only about five minutes away by car. But um I'll never forget that. But I love sharing God's word. I love sharing what He's done, and uh, I wouldn't do all that if it weren't true. I wouldn't. I wouldn't waste my time, and I wouldn't waste people's time if it weren't true. You know, you've got to experience it for yourself. You've got to taste and see that God is good. Yes, yes, yeah. and and, once you and do, that's what we're looking that.
1: That's what we want to get the people to understand. Mm. Like Trump said, what do you got to lose? You know? Your soul. Well, that's that's if you don't taste. But if you do taste, you know, your soul will be saved. Exactly. So, all
0: right, I'm going to wind this up.
3: Yeah, I like when What it's time cold. is it there? 2.46 a.m. Oh.
1: All right, you have a blessed tomorrow because I know you're going to sleep.
4: I'm
1: and you have a there. blessed rest. <laughs> 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 I'm, all, I'm
3: already in tomorrow.
1: <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well,
3: I'll say goodnight so to talking... everybody anyway.
1: Father bless everyone. Yeah. And we'll see you next time. I'm going to hit God the bless. big red button.
3: I'm uh, not bless. Good night,
1: Pam. I'll talk to you later.
3: Yeah. Bye.